but I've got, you know, it's my cycle of steroids sitting right here. <laughs> Need some yeah. help injecting those. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I you got to get your pump on before you pod. Yeah, I mean, you got to get like everybody knows that. You know, yeah. you ask uh, Mark Marin, you ask uh, Ezra Klein, big mm-hmm. pump gets his pump on nonstop. You ask um, the daily guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. You, know, you ask uh, John. Yeah. You ask Michael Barbaro. Michael Barbaro. I mean, you ask and anyone at NPR. They've been doing this a long time. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yes. John Favreau or uh, uh, any of the John, the, any of the, any of the Johns. Johns. John Lovett, <laughs> Michael Favreau, Dana Carvey, whatever. <laughs> Dana Carvey. <laughs> <Is he> French. <laughs> Dana Carvey. <laughs> Carvey. <laughs> whatever other. <laughs> Ben still er. You, know, you, you know the French really were like into the master of disguise, like the turtle. It's such a funny thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they love. Yeah, French people love Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. Hello Dana Carvey. and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I think we got a couple of them today too. Mm. I'm Don Saunderson. I am Patrick Gremion. Wow, what a show we have in store for you folks. Welcome to the Academy. I mean, hell, it's, you know, it's either this or selling real estate, right? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. And then we're, you know, think you think the real estate industry is hot right now? I'm freaking podcasting out here in the, de- the desert. <laughs> Michael Bay was like on set. He's like, what's a shitty job that he could have left behind? I don't know. Real estate. What is What do they do? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't fucking know what that bad. means. It cost me a lot to buy my the next stage of my Miami mansion. Of yeah. course, we're back with the vulgar O'Tour, the further adventures of Michael Bay, part two. Mm. This week, of course, we are discussing 2013's Pain and Gain and 2016's 13 Hours: The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, I mean, and everyone apparently just knows it as the Benghazi movie. Nobody, yeah, yeah, nobody can remember, like, like when I said I got to watch 13 hours, Jen was like, you got to watch a 13 hour movie. She did not know what it was. And I was like, no, it's two and a half, though. It's pretty long. Like, yeah, the the quest for Benghazi. It's a it's a it's a convoluted title. I will say, like, they probably should have just called it. I feel like it, it maybe. It wouldn't maybe it wouldn't be more successful, but it'd definitely be more rememberable just to call it Benghazi or like well, the secret story too, because it's so like we'll get to how it's so connected to these other two movies that came out within a couple of years, American Sniper and Lone Survivor, except mm-hmm. for the fact like American Sniper and Lone Survivor are OK. I know exactly what those movies are about. Yeah. 13 hours. I'm not entirely certain what that movie's about. A lot of things happen in 13 hours. A lot of things, yeah, clearly, a lot of can happen in 13 hours. Jeez, oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> like, what office, a day. Office Jim shows up, and boy, it just starts go. It goes from there, does it not? Yeah, I love the part in uh, 13 hours where Office Jim is like, I wish I was just putting Dwight's calculator in jello i know like you know a prank in scranton pennsylvania can get you mild laughs a prank in benghazi can get you killed yeah when he's just crying <laughs> i miss phyllis, phyllis. stanley, I miss stanley. <laughs> why somebody am i put, here somebody should put that scene where krasinski's like just screams at the guy at the end of it and just like put like character names from the office in there 
Gabe! <laughs> Robert California! <laughs> that would be so funny. I'd love it, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Some of you have better internet skills than I. Um, Pain and Gain and 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, are both currently on Paramount+. Plus. Both mm. can be rented through your regular services, and both have Blu-ray discs available to you if you want to watch on physical media. How did you watch both films, Patrick? Uh, I think I just watched them. I might have just rented them via Amazon. Yeah, I, I canceled my, as, as long-time listeners know, I recently canceled my Paramount Plus subscription Oof. at the wrong time. Both, both movies were right mm. there. I won't be able to watch the offer, Don. Damn it. Finally, uh, I missed my chance again. Um, <laughs> I watched Pain and Gain. I rented it on Amazon. And for some reason, I have 13 hours on Blu-ray. Ooh. I own it. I don't know. Ooh. Can't quite tell how that happened. But, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> hey, sometimes you just I, have a wild night. Sometimes you have a wild night. And you <laughs> like, yeah, you have a few drinks. Two drinks in 13 hours. It's like five <laughs> bucks on sale. Like, yeah, I kind of yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I you hear stories of like, you know, someone takes an Ambien. They wake up, they bought like a bunch of purses or something. So you just you yeah. woke up, you got oh. like the, the Michael Bayer collection. You know, it happens to it happens to the best of us. How do yeah. I own? How do I own the three disc Legend? I don't even like Legend. <laughs> yeah, the three disc <laughs> expanded commentary. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. So. Michael Bay, in 2013, had made three Transformers movies in a row. Mm. He, of course, had made the original, (laughs) covered by us. Yes. (laughs) Like... Like pulling, yeah. fuck, like going to the dentist for us. It was pulling. Oh teeth, yeah, <laughs> like it was. T- yeah, not, not in love with that movie. No, uh, I mean, but the he, foibles of Optimus Prime do not interest us. It, yeah, and that remains <laughs> the only Transformers I've ever seen. But there were more, a lot more. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Revenge of the Fallen followed in 2009, and Dark of the Moon followed in 2011. And I remember as a long time Michael Bay follower. You know, a Bad Boys fan, a Rock fan. Yeah. It's like, where is Michael Bay now? Is he just going to make these, like, annoying kids movies? Yeah, toy that, toy films. These toy films? Like, where is the Miami scumbag <laughs> that we, that, like, some of us have come to know and love? Like, yeah, that we're we're missing. Yeah, where's the 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 misanthropic lens towards society that we've come to enjoy? Like, yeah, like we need that Bad Boys too. We need that the that con- island, the convoluted. I am a man of the people. I understand what like quote unquote the rubes want to see, but also yeah. I hate their guts. It's very Trumpian in oh, its own way. Man, you know? he is. That's a good, really good. Despite point. the They're... fact, my guess is that he would not be a Trump supporter. Yeah, um, I feel like he's like a big Bill Maher guy. Yeah, like a weird, like weird he's that level centrist because yeah. he's like you know I'm like libertarian but loves the troops. Kinda, yeah, like loves also, war and combat. But also, you should be able to smoke and freaking smoke weed whenever you want. I know, man. What uh, like coffee flavored coffee? Anyone? <laughs> he's Dennis Leary. He's Dennis. He's a Learyian. He's of the Learyian uh, mold. Yeah, That's a like. Apt. The, it's really surprising Dennis Leary didn't show up in like 
Pearl Harbor as like John Voight's number two guy, as Franklin Roosevelt's. Listen, Mr. President, which right, you know, it does goes off on a riff because I'm sure he thought he was hilarious and awesome. It would be great if in his Oscar attempt there was this anachronistic Dennis Leary, like, hmm, happy flavored coffee. I mistake. Like, I wish um, Leary had played Baldwin's part in Pearl Harbor. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm yeah. just going to say yes to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Despite the fact Baldwin kind of saves Pearl Harbor. Like, for yeah, me, he, like, might, he, he shows up part. and it's like, brings a little bit of like life to the movie. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It brings life to a, a turgid film for a sure. Film. Yeah. But. So I remember 2013 when the trailer to Pain and Gain came out. Ooh. There was a, oh, he's back. Our, our man is back kind of quality. It's like, this seems insane. This mm-hmm. is a crazy idea. Michael Bay's on his home turf scumbags in Miami is kind of where we, we, we kind of like him. Yeah. You know? I, I will say I had like, um when I was in theaters, I think I was just so... I was so associated Michael Bay with Transformers at this point that mm-hmm. I was kind of like uh, reticent. I don't think I watched this in theaters. I was kind of like, I don't trust. I didn't trust Michael Bay. I didn't trust Michael Bay. I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't think I gave it the time of day at the yeah, time. I, and it was only. I had actually never seen it before today. Really? Or this, this screening. Somehow I missed it. I always wanted to see it, but somehow it just never happened. That happens. Fell through the cracks. Yeah, it did. I mean, can't see every movie. It would be impossible, some would say. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not me. I, I've seen. Yeah. I've seen every I, film. Patrick has seen every single movie. <laughs> every movie from the first Edison when Edison uh, uh, killed mm-hmm. an elephant to <laughs> dang train coming at you, uh, uh, <laughs> all the way to um, I don't know, Equalizer three. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I did know. see Equalizer. I know 3. you saw that. Saw that, <laughs> I saw that with the saw that with the fam. It, it was nice. interesting. I got some takes. Can't wait. Yeah. We're gonna talk about we'll talk about it in a bit, folks. Uh it's on the list. But Ooh. I think like I remember, you know, talking about Pan and Gain with like coworkers at work. Mm-hmm. Like with the movie heads at work and being like, Oh, you know, this could be really good. Like it's like the concept is fun. It, like it seems like made for Bay. I do find it really funny that this was Michael Bay's like return to his nuts and bolts roots this is yeah. his idea this is his idea of an indie movie <laughs> and it's like a it's a how much it's like a small uh the relatively small for bay budget it, uh 26 million and he actually gets a lot out of that 26 million he's I oh mean, for know, sure he that doesn't feel like he's skimping or cutting corners on any of his normal no stuff There's- there's definitely like some crazy, and there's like you know shots that evoke bad scenes in Bad Boys too. Like, yeah, no, this is Bay in top yeah. form. Yes. So this, uh, the story, this is, Pain and Gain is a action comedy. Mm. It is based upon a true story. Um, we'll kind of get into a little bit on some of the corner cutting and fudging that they did on this true story as we get into it. But on both. Today, both of today's ripped from the headlines true stories. Um, <laughs> this is the story of the Sun Jim Gang, a group of ex-convicts and more importantly bodybuilders who could um, kidnap and torture a rich man from their gym <laughs> in the mid-90s in Miami. 
the screenplay is written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who interestingly enough have gone on to be the Marvel guys. They write yeah. like the Avengers movies and all that kind. Of, they have kind of been the dominating from the writing side of things, the Marvel movies. Um, it's, it, it's, I remember they did like, um, I think they're like biggest Marvel movie. I remember they had like when um, Winter Soldier came out. Mm-hmm. I think they got like a lot of um, the credit. Uh, for... Yeah, credit for that. Because they were like, oh, it's like, uh, like, you know, three days of the, you know, it's like a, it's like an old 70s movie. I know, it's, like, it's like, it's not. But no, you know. <laughs> no, but they, they, they got that credit, though. They got I will that credit. say, I think it is better. It's one of the better if not the best of the Marvel movies. Yeah. It's the, well, it's the only one where I think like, it's like a story. <laughs> I don't know. Like, stakes. Yeah. Like, stakes. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Things were invested in. I don't know. I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, the screenplay is based on a series of articles from the Miami new times by Pete Collins, which were compiled into a book, which was released concurrently with the film. Mm-hmm. The, background they announced it directly after the third he he announced it after the release of revenge of the fallen he wanted to do it between transformers two and three but um paramount was like no we need our cash cow with the transform (laughs) we'll let you do your bodybuilding movie you know after you get through making us a ton of money like we said, it was the lowest budget for a Bay movie, twenty six million, since Bad Boys, which was thirty five million, or uh, lowest since Bad Boys. Um, pardon me. Um, the cast of the film. So our our lead ex con bodybuilder is Daniel Lugo, and we should mention we're going to be talking about them as characters. These are real people who committed very real heinous crimes. So it's yeah. kind of we're going to kind of compartmentalize. A little bit throughout yeah, we describing hated, yeah. this conversation and you know because obviously in both this and the following film these are based on in my opinion you know real life atrocities tra- atrocities tragedies whatever you'd like to call them yeah like, like it yeah well and it's crazy like when you think about it in that in those terms how flippant I, it, it's a flippant movie they both are oh yeah oh for sure. But I mean, Michael Bay is a flippant director. Pain and Gain is particularly flippant for how nasty it gets. Genuinely like, crazy. they think it's really funny. And, like, to mock what's going on in all of these jackasses, like, these grotesqueries that they're presenting in the movie. But, hey, uh, people died. <laughs> like, totally. Like, it's yeah. an evil... Yeah, there's... And I that's where critics come down on Mr. Bay. Um not unrightfully. I think it's worth criticizing, worth discussing that these oh, are so, totally because we talked a bit about it on Pearl Harbor, even how he turned that how he turned one of the great American tragedies moments in American history um into a sub Titanic like yeah it's very i think it's like well and i think part of it too is he's so like interested in i don't think he puts thought into 
what he's using, like the clay he's using to make his like media or whatever. Like, I don't think like I think we talked rec- a little bit about that with Ridley Scott, but Ridley Scott is just like Ridley Scott's instincts at least lean toward being classy and adult. Yeah, I think so, he's slightly. I think he's slightly more tasteful too. I would say, really. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Much more. I think he's like a little. He has more tact than uh, a Michael Bay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, you don't watch a you watch a Michael Bay movie for the sledgehammer force. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> we get it in this movie. So Mark Wahlberg is our lead. He and he is pumped up in this movie. This movie is goes like so hard on the like. Good fellas, like, and that's what I meant, you know, Sammy the yeah. Sammy the redhead, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, it's very of, like, yeah, it is like on the nose with everything. I kind of, I do kind of like that, like, at least it's like Walbert. It's like it's um, it feels very uh, I feel like he, there's a specificity to Wal Mark Wahlberg's like it's never boring him like monologuing. At least for me, we, it feels like so, a little fresh. One thing the writers get really, really well in it is kind of like we kind of said it before we got on the air is that Daniel Lugo is perhaps the most misguided character in movie history. Yeah. He believes something so much, so completely, and that it's going to lead him toward everything he wants, the American mm-hmm. dream, but he is going about it and the, his station in life and everything like that, which is unfortunate with the worst possible judgment choices and wrongheadedness imaginable yeah and he's taking others with him yes which makes and that is fascinating that's like ripe for drama that's like amazing it's an amazing character like we're again it's an amazing cinematic character or dramatic character Mm -hmm. and it makes you it makes this movie at 129 minutes like very compelling and watchable you want to know like what they do yeah, how are they gonna get out of there? Like, when's the sh- other shoe gonna drop? What? That's well, because you know they're not gonna like. There's no, no chance these no. guys are not like these. Like, it's a difference between this and Thirteen Hours. Is like the guys are so skilled in Thirteen Hours. You're like, okay, this is tough, but I think they have a shot to like make it through this thing. <laughs> in Pain and Gain, you're like, these guys are going to get killed or arrested. Yeah, it, there's no happy matter. ending. It, it, there is no happy ending. And that's why I was like so sad when this movie was over. I found this <laughs> movie very sad. <laughs> like Interesting. Well, and it's like, it's it's fascinating too, because I feel like there's like a part of me initially when you watch it where it feels like, because we were talking about this uh, before the pod started, how like it feels like Mark Wahlberg's character is a little, um, like he might be a little, uh, might believe, buy into some of the, the, the shit that Daniel Lugo is uh selling he sympathize well i mean he like any great actor would do he sympathizes with the character even if the character is a bad guy oh 100 percent. yeah and that's what you uh, have to do as a good actor but again there is this question because like mark Wahlberg. i mean if you look at his life like a couple like a couple other moves done differently his life is probably not hugely different increasing it becomes surprisingly lugo-esque yeah I mean, yeah. you know, like they in the same vein, and you know, like Mark Wahlberg seems like one. I mean, I don't you know, I don't know him or anything like that, but he seems like um, one of these like guys who like falls in on like Tony Robbins style affirmations. Oh, and, totally! Like, like he you know, he's like someone who he's probably read The Secret. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, like it has like, a little bit of that in him. 
he won't show it to you, but he has like a vision board with a yellow Lambo on it. You know, <laughs> I love the idea of like old uber successful Michael uh, Mark Wahlberg yeah. still having. <laughs> but I mean, remember when he put out that like um, insane schedule? Oh yeah, then, like he wakes up at like four a.m. and gets his pump on, and then he like takes the kids to school. Then he goes to mass like every day, and it's just like, and then he it's like Wendy. He never seems to sleep. He's always like, fa- yeah, family time was like twelve minutes. Like, Gen- you know? yeah, genuinely, yeah, d- ludicrous at that level of success. What your life becomes, I know <laughs> it's, but it's also like, dude, you're worth so much money. Like, relax, relax. Yeah, like, relax. <laughs> go to like, uh, go to islands, have a burger. I, you gotta hand, you gotta hand it to our boy Russell Crowe. That's a man yeah. who has like seen the top of the mountain and is like, I'm gonna hang out. He's having a good year. Yeah, he's, he's having, he figured it out. He's having a permanently good year. <laughs> I would look at, would love a version of Goodyear starring Mark Wahlberg. I don't. I think yeah, he just I, agrees with the painter guy. I think the oh, guy who keeps the Picasso with the, uh, the safe. You know, give me beefy Russell Crowe, who's like drunkenly singing with his bar band right now somewhere in Australia, yeah. while, while like gambling on Australian rules football. Like he's doing know? like in excess covers. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like takes it, but he takes the band really seriously and like reams them out if they miss notes backstage. <laughs> like that was a safe lot. <laughs> you Mustang Sally does not sound like that. <laughs> like <laughs> Mustang Sally. <laughs> you, you know, because you know he's doing like dad blues. Oh, totally. No way. There's no other genre he's doing. <laughs> like Yeah, he's like doing like he he's doing his he's doing an Australian version of Texas Flood. Like yeah. Melbourne flood. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's like this one goes out to the late great Stevie Ray Vaughan. <laughs> Jesus, just less Brisbane. Yeah, and he's heading for Canberra. Jeez, oh, Australian's easy top. Yes. I just want some arse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Stupidest thing. That's good. Stupidest bit I've ever said in my life. But um, like Mark Wahlberg is so great. This movie, he's like it's one of my favorite Mark Wahlberg performances that I've seen. Yeah, there's like three. I think like I would say that uh, the three leads they're like either they're all time performances or within the vicinity. They're like the top five. Three of my favorite. There are three of my favorites from each. There, it's one of my favorites from each of these three guys. Um, Daniel Lugo is like he's an ex-con he but you hear from his voiceover he's gonna make something he's a doer mm-hmm. uh we get a wonderful um impeccably cast ken jong oh man yes. great ken jong motivational speaker johnny woo yeah the role <laughs> what a classic classic it's just a terrible guy yeah it sucks who is who is completely and utterly con- conning dumb saps like Daniel Lugo into spending hundreds of dollars at their um, retreats and motivational sp- motivational speakers, folks. Evil. You don't. You, yeah, you don't need them. Um, no, you're good. And he, so he's like, I got a plan. I'm going to make this happen. <laughs> and you know, I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna make something happen. I, you know, he's, I'm a doer. He's more of a doer than a thinker, very much. He's a doer, and that's like one of the themes of the movie. He's a doer, and he and 
he represents like and I think this guy should be in many, many films. I mean, it's almost in a sense like you know what it reminds me of actually? The vastly superior dog day afternoon. Ooh. That's, that's a kind great of and yeah. The but similar guys. Yeah, this is definitely like a crasser, stupider version of that, but a hundred percent of the in the same vein where it's like uh it's like they don't have the skills or wherewithal to formulate a plan that would actually But they have seen on TV or like movies or heard about in the news all of these like successful people successful americans and if they just follow the same route of hard work and tough like tough love and being a yeah. doer they like, will be they will they will make it like they're here like like his heroes rocky the guys from the godfather and scarface actually <laughs> scarface scarface yeah Tony they, montana yeah great yeah that movie i wonder i guess his character must have watched like the first like hour and a half and then stopped at the montage do you think i don't know they, i don't but it's like all but all they stay it's it's like the because this is like kind of all that's left for a lot Ooh. of american guys are yeah these, there because there is no like bootstrapping opportunity to make upper management no there's no like yeah the whole dynamic of like you can join the middle class you can you know you don't need an education to get a decent job at a factory that could get you a house and then yeah. you can turn that into something else like that whole like because dynamic the other, the has... other thing that Wahlberg's character doesn't show as much because i think he reveals that he's a sociopath by the end of the movie. Oh, but total lunatic. With the other two leading characters, the things that they want, love and companionship. Connect oh. human connection that they can't get. Michael Bay did not know what was on his hands. It's such with a this good... movie because it's so rich in terms of kind of putting a mirror up to a certain segment of modern America. It, it is like probably the best script that these writers have made. And it is like this thing where you kind of lament, yeah, because like it, it feels like the way we're talking about it, this movie's almost like good in spite of Michael. And it's not like it, not necessarily the because like he does have some great. He brings like the Michael Bay juice to it. Like there's like great stuff that he brings to it. But like yeah, you you wonder like if there was another director that could have like been more um, would have understand the nuance of the film more perhaps. I, I think if like Scorsese makes this movie, Ooh. you're like you have a best Man. picture. Nom- you have a best picture nominee. Yeah. Oh, 100%. All the crass, the really crass, like, crass stuff, the immature stuff would have all been out the door. Mm -hmm. But the same, like, wild story and critique would have been there. And the the, he would have gotten great performances, too. But one thing we have to give Michael Bay credit for, we've talked about on other eps, but this episode in particular with these two movies, he gets great performances. Oh, they're so good. And from a lot of like unlikely people who like you wouldn't expect to give really like nuanced de- performances with depth and that kind of thing. Yeah, because uh, that gets us to our other two leads of this movie. So um, Daniel decides he's tra- oh we get this great montage of him training like loser middle age like the only people who go to this gym are loser middle aged rich guys. Mm-hmm. And babes. Those are the only two people who go to Daniel's gym. 
Oh, yeah. Should be noted the Sun Gym is owned by a guy named John Messi, who is played in this movie by Rob Corddry, <laughs> which well cast. Yeah. He does well. You know, it's like the it's right guy. Perfect role for him. Yeah. He's like a, a scumbag gym owner. He fits that yeah. uh, and, to a T. It's the same deal, though. He's like, I'm going to start a gym empire. He has a dream. But, yep. and he's got, like, the other thing, too, is like, they all want to, like, cut corners. <laughs> to get there yeah they all want to do they all want the easy way because people like victor kershaw cut corners and are millionaires yep and have everything everything these guys want Uh, by the way which doesn't feel fair which does not feel fair to the daniels of the world, not the Daniels, not that especially when, wants Daniels, especially when the Ker- the Kershaw, especially when the Kershaws act like um, monsters, uh, monsters, but they also act like they earned it like a hundred percent. Like that's like a recurring theme with the Kershaw character. He's like, you didn't yeah. go to college, you didn't do all the things I did. Yeah, and he's played, of course, by Tony Shalhoub in so a good. maniacal <laughs> performance. The the real guy, um. It was named Mark Schiller. They changed his name. He was not thrilled oh, with no. how he was presented in this movie. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> we will talk. Get to the end of it. <laughs> what? Hmm. I want, what not hugely um, enthusiastic with his portrayal in this movie. There's <laughs> a literal uh, demon in this film. Although, demon, uh... demon who makes you sympathize with the sociopathic kidnapper. <laughs> Why? Yeah, you're like pretty much <laughs> up until like the very end of this movie, you're not quite sure like where Michael Bay's allegiances lie. It's, it's literally until like the very end where he's like, and then these dumb fucks went to prison. <laughs> yeah, and and he literally puts on the screen like in te- in text, dumb fuck. Yeah, like, like <laughs> this guy it takes like this fucking guy can't get out of his own way, can he? No, he can't no, help he it. Can't. It's, it's... He's so ta- he actually is a talent. He's not untalented like some like New Yorker critics would say. No, he's he's very like, talented. He, the action's incredible and the performances are great. He but there was just too. He's just so juvenile. He needs like a, a like someone to. He needs a buddy. If he can get like Noah <laughs> Bomb back to like edit his someone, just another set of ears and eyes just to kind of edit. His more uh, juvenile, you know, to help him pull back, push back against his juvenile instincts, then oh, he'd no. be like one of the greats. Oh, I agree. I agree. And, you know, I think he needs to get like married or something like that. <laughs> Maybe that that's sense? it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think he needs like, yeah, he needs like someone who can like temper him. <laughs> yeah, I agree. He needs a friend. Yeah. He needs <laughs> someone to talk to. Yeah, he's someone just to tell him, like, calm, calm Michael, calm down. Yeah, it's like Please. if you were just a, a skosh more like a uh, civil, I don't know. Yeah, it's just he's, um, yeah, 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 it's 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 a little rough. <laughs> uh, but the other two leading characters in the film, so basically, what happens is that Daniel gets this idea that they can kidnap Kershaw. Mm-hmm. Make him and under duress, make him sign over all of his assets to Daniel. Yeah, and it's just yeah they so they, you know, after a couple of uh, weeks, botch, 
Yeah, it does. It's because they 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 screw it up a couple of times, and then mm-hmm. um, oh, and they also have to get a third. They have to get a third individual to help well, they, him. Yeah, Lugo needs some assistance though in this scheme. So the first guy he enlists is Adrian, the wonderfully named, as Patrick may have mentioned earlier, Adrian Dorball, played by Anthony Mackey. Adrian believes that if he gets the body, Adrian has a real like, I used to be an out of shape loser. Yeah, like vibe. Deep insecurity, a deep Deep, insecurity, deep, deep insecurity. And so he needs the body, except he's like noticeably not as jacked as Daniel or their third accomplice. (laughs) (laughs) He's trying his best, though. Like yeah, he's trying his he's best. Like, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to compete against uh, the Rock. <laughs> yeah, I do love in the gym the in the gym's locker room the open use of steroids and just like high five and like yeah, nice guy. This, <laughs> yeah. this rules. This rules. We're gonna get so jacked. <laughs> like <laughs> no side effects. <laughs> well, there are. Uh, mm-hmm. So Adrian is a massive steroids user mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, you know, trying to get into the shape. Trying to get yoked. Trying to get yoked. Uh, so he has massive intimacy, uh, impotency issues. Yeah. Would you like to have massive intimacy issues? Yeah, intimacy too, frankly. Um, which leads him to uh, kind of a Dr. Feelgood type character played by briefly Dr. Bjornsson played by Peter Stormare. Once again, oh, yes. his return to the once again his return to the fold for one scene, you know, doing his specialty as a complete sleazo. But oh, he's yeah. also... I, feel, I was saying he must be one of Michael Bay's guys. I feel like they must yeah, hang he, out on the regular. Yeah, yeah, in Miami, doing their thing, and uh, <laughs> he has a nurse played by Rob, whose name is Robin Peck, who's played by Rebel Wilson, who, um, rather unhinged. Yeah, just personality. Demented, horny. Demented, horny. And she's like way into Anthony Mackie, like right then and there. Yeah, and just immediately smitten. They start a aggressive sexual relationship. <laughs> like, put it that way. Yeah, that's all we need to say. And he's he's getting married. So wow. he, he needs the money. Mm-hmm. And he's such a sycophant to Lugo. Oh, yeah. Too. Like, that's the other thing. He thinks Lugo is, like, rad. He wants to be Lugo. He wants to be... He wants that swollenness. Yeah, it's really important. We get this great scene early in the movie I think I was going to bring up, but it somehow fell by the wayside, where um, Lugo gets, like, humiliated at the gym, like, trying to ask out one of the female gym members. Oh, yeah. And then he also gets humiliated by Kershaw, who's like, yeah, you're kind of a like your personal trainer loser. Yeah. He, he did. <laughs> so we're like already in his quarter, like, oh, everyone does think this guy's a loser. Except for these poor, these two sycophants. Yeah. These muscle bound meatheads. Who are it is. Yeah. Desperate for love and connection, <laughs> which leads us. They need a, They need the muscle. They need, they need a, they need a tough guy mm-hmm. in their group, which leads them to Paul Doyle played by Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Fresh out of prison, completely lost soul. He has found he has found Jesus Christ. He is in recovery. He's gonna be okay. He's gonna stay in recovery. No. 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 He's no. not. No, he's not. <laughs> no. Not in this movie. Not in this movie. 
Not this uh, movie at all. I don't know how yeah. he, I don't know how with his rampant alcohol and drug use, he's getting his pump on so often. Yeah, it is genuinely like insane the uh, amount of like physical abuse. His, it's, I'm surprised his character does not have like a heart attack 30 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Considering yeah. his like size and the amount of like bad things he's ingesting. Yeah. So in essence, you know, they they kidnap Kershaw, they get him to after a bunch of crazy torture, they mm-hmm. do get him to sign over. Yeah. The documents. And they like he Mark Wahlberg gets his Kershaw's house and he becomes like the neighborhood watch guy. It's very like funny how he, he all Mark Wahlberg's Daniel Lugo wants is a riding lawnmower. He want that is like so like he wants to be a suburban American guy. Yeah, that's all he wants. He wants the supreme burger lifestyle. He yeah he feels he wants that burger, man. He wants the burger he, on the lawn. He would like to be a um, you know, owner of a franchise, a franchisee of a yes. Wahlberg of a Wahlburgers. All he would a hundred. Yeah, Daniel Lugo would a hundred percent like. He he did he murdered a guy so he can be or tried to murder a guy so he can be a Wahlburgers franchise. Yeah, so he can own like five Del Tacos. You know, it's like <laughs> it's so crazy. It is just like what an insane and that uh... is, it's like the quest to be quote unquote normal drives people fucking insane. Sad. That is yeah, yeah, that really is a grim sad. reading. That is a deeply grim reading. Yeah. It's that's all these three guys want is to be their yeah. idea of normal. What is nor like a normal American cool guy? Yeah. And... Well, and I think they they realized that like they thought that like success was one thing, and then when they realized oh, lifting a shit ton of weights doesn't like do any actually yeah. like do it, it, it alienates me more than anything. Doesn't get me women. Doesn't get me respect. Doesn't get me money. No. In the same like how I was told, like how Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, you watch that Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary that came out. Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger did all this. He yeah. did it. But he made it. He, you know? He Not got everyone it. Can, yeah. But Arnold's special. Yeah. Like, and I know that that sucks to, like, that's a harsh reality. But I would say this, too. So The Rock showed up on WWE SmackDown this past mm. week. His first WWE appearance in ages. His schedule is a little more open because the strike in WWE is not SAG. So mm. you do the math. But that's why John Cena is there too. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but look, there's a lot of great stars, a lot of great wrestlers and that kind of thing. The second The Rock comes out, the crowd like all had a collective aneurysm. Like they just wow. were screaming and freaking out. I was like, I'm sorry. Some people just have that extra 10% of juice. Yeah, can put you over the top, and you're not. It's not something you can train for. No, some people have that. Like, like the Rock just had like the eyebrow thing. Like he has like you know he has great that talker. spice. He's got yeah. He's like he's just got charisma. Yeah, some and people have it. Some people don't. Yeah, and you know, and I think that's the other thing about these three guys. They're charismaless, and Ooh. you're toning down charisma from movie stars in <laughs> doing this. But yeah, because they are like they don't. They're not destined to be Tony Montana. No. But it's the same way we talked about it with like all the like uh you know crime 
movies we've watched. Yeah, well, and, and you can say, too, like, Tony Montana isn't destined to be Tony Montana. Like, all these guys have these, like, idea of what success is in their heads. And uh-huh. it's not even, like, it's, like, just the good parts of the movies. Like, it's not even, like, the, the full picture, which no. clearly shows, like, the how their actions get the best of them by the end of it. Because mm-hmm. every one of those movies is a morality tale. Yes! And no one... No one understands that. They just like remember Michelle Pfeiffer in that dress and doing okay. Like, yeah, <laughs> like counting money seems cool. Yeah, like counting like money all... seems rad. Like it's like a good time. I think even like I mean I think the greatest example of like real wealth and real riches is all the money in the world that we've watched. And really, what that's about is being a decrepit old man who your entire family hates you, sitting yeah. in a room of art you can't enjoy and dying alone. Yeah, <laughs> like just living, literally, just becoming Scrooge, just becoming yeah. you, without the the ghost of Christmas future, you know, changing your ways. Yeah. Like it's it's very yeah, it's very interesting. And Bay is really onto something here with these characters, and like you said, he's just like can't help himself with like the sex jokes, the gay panic jokes, the dick jokes. It, it's very like uh, it feels uh it feels very much like uh do you ever like watch Connor O'Malley bits on like YouTube mm-hmm, or anything? Yeah. yeah, it feels very much like this was a movie directed by a Connor O'Malley character. I guess like Connor O'Malley's characters are just parodies of Michael Bay movies essentially, <laughs> but like it's just like it, it is like this thing where it's like it's so this movie is so um Bay distilled to its purest his purest essence in a way that it's almost like parody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they get away with it, mm-hmm. but simultaneously, so Wahlberg has just kind of taken over Kershaw's life in this really weird, like I live here now. Like, yeah. He just, like, and everyone's, I love how everyone's cool with it. Neighbor, just, because Kershaw's such an asshole. He sucks. And like Daniel's like having cookouts. He's a fun his, guy. He his, he, he like yeah. bullies the local kids. I guess yeah, that's like I, a weird moment. That, but that's like another reason. Like no reason for that scene so whatsoever. Weird. Him it's... like trash talking a bunch of and hurting a bunch of middle schoolers on a basketball court. You're like why is this in this movie? It, this is just weird and mean spirited. It's just it's so he's so misanthropic. He's so. Have you ever seen that like um Robert Crumb? Uh, it's like you see it on you on Twitter all the time or X or whatever the meme where it's like the guy like it's like Snurd I think is the name of the character and he just sees a normal guy and he's like so mad and he's like you know get a load of this asshole I fucking hate it. it's, just, it's just like a guy like getting mad at a normal man and I feel like that's like Michael Bay a little bit in this movie yeah, it's it's so like because I yeah it's so like Michael Bay would tell you he you know he comes from I mean he got adopted into a very well off family but you know he's yeah of adoption you know he would tell you he, i can't i could have you know i made it i think i think michael bay kind of sympathizes with kershaw a little bit i think he kind of likes kershaw i mean he well, hates him but i think he kind of like i think there's a little bit of in a twisted way i think the character that he respects the most we haven't actually met yet we're gonna meet right oh. now though is oh, yeah we have another key. So basically, Lugo takes over Kershaw's life, but simultaneous to that, Anthony Mackie and Rebel Wilson get married, and Anthony buys like a nice house. And <laughs> in classic Goodfellas fashion, we're already out of money. Like yep. all the money we stole. Yeah, it's gone. 
We Paul's already gone off the deep end a little bit. There's a guy oh. he has his sights on. So there's a guy he hates who's played by um, the great uh, character actor. Um, Michael Rispoli. Michael Rispoli. Oh, almost, so good in this. Almost Tony Soprano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, poor Paul, he has been hooked up with this other classic archetype in Americana. The Eastern, the beautiful Eastern European woman who has come to the United States to be the next, like, movie star Movies. supermodel. Yeah. But is, in essence, like, doing, like, sex work and, you know. Yeah, just, yeah, very, just fallen, like. Fallen completely into a terrible world of gross men. Yeah, it is, uh, like, in, yeah, you're introduced to that character with her getting, like, shipped across, like the united states or whatever via mexico and then like there's a scene where like she has she has her suitcase and she's just on top of a like a cliff what was that like i know mexico they must have spent like a million out of their 26 million on that one shot it's an insane it's why? a cool looking shot but it's also cool, like a totally why, why? A shit. yeah very weird deeply Can weird it, but the only reason i see her even needing to be in the movie is the fact that the rock falls in love with her He's also fallen back hard into massive cocaine use. Yeah. Bigly. Yeah. He's a mess. He's out of money. <laughs> he tries to rob an armored car. <laughs> Doesn't go well. No. And so they get all him and Daniel and Anthony Ma- and uh, Adrian get back together again and they say, well, I guess we gotta find another mark and do this kidnapping thing all over again. Yeah, is is when the uh, the car robbery happens? Is that when his toe gets shot off? Oh yeah, yeah. Of course that happens too. Is that the rock <laughs> yeah. gets his toe shot off, and he's carrying around his stump toe for a bit until, of course, yeah, um, it does get fed to a dog. Yeah, that is like yeah, that very a Michael Bay move. Like you can't just shoot off the poor t- the the toe. You have so, to feed it to a dog. Meanwhile, everyone thinks Kershaw is a lunatic that these bodybuilders kidnapped him and tortured him. <laughs> he, I, okay, shout out to the the makeup and like he looks terrible. Terrible. Looks terrible. Looks terrible. Looks horrid. It is great. You go because oh jeez, we totally forgot the scene where they try and kill him. It's man. It's awful. Yeah. But it's f- like uh, really darkly funny. But yeah, it's like I think this is like kind of like Bay's strength is this sort of like macabre macabre stupidity like this very yeah. like yeah like i think I, this I, they try blow him up the, he just catches on fire doesn't work they try and run him into run him off the road he doesn't kill him hurts him but doesn't kill him and then they finally run him over but somehow he falls into a crack and basically only gets like the side of his face run over by the tire but he's okay but he's a mess he's like toy beat up and like yeah you know he's a mess like half, half his nose is missing he has no money left because they stole all of his money. And he's not happy about it at all. Nobody believes him. So he goes to a private investigator played by the great Ed Harris. Oh, yeah. Um, his character's name is Detective Ed Dubois the third. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe that's a real guy. Who knows? Uh, he is a semi-retired PI, former cop. And he is the guy, the only guy in the movie Michael Bay respects. Yes. Uh, he's a hardworking, yeah. by the book, talented police officer, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and he loves, hey, he loves fishing and golf, except 
doesn't like it quite as much as the the detective work. That's his real passion. Action is the juice. You know how it is. Uh, <laughs> so he gets hired. He quickly, very quickly, figures out Daniel Lugo at all of like he's like okay. And he goes to the cops like yeah you're wrong. These guys like this get this these bodybuilders are definitely out there like causing all sorts of mischief. Like yeah they're they're still around. The, co- the cops don't listen, which leads to um grotesque and tragic con- consequences oh, um, so they try the same scheme on Michael Rispoli and his wife um, Rispoli though is a much more like yeah, you know, he might be a porn kingpin but he actually knows how to do business yeah. and he actually can read that Daniel is a full of crap loser like from the jump oh totally it- he basically says, like, hey, you're a guy I wouldn't mind, like, you know, going to a strip club with, but, like, doing any take, form of... I don't take you seriously. And that's not what this so- burgeoning sociopath needs to hear. No. So he brains Michael Raspoli with a barf like a dumbbell. You know? <laughs> or a plate. Like a plate for weightlifting. Yeah. And kills him. Yeah. Then his wife sees it and they're like oh shit what do we got to do about that so they shoot her up with a horse like a horse tranquilizer to slow her down Mm -hmm. but uh anthony mackie gives her too heavy of a dose and kills her yeah she dies as well dies as well you're like oh shit shit just yeah this is our shit just got for real moment but not as fun as it is in the bad boys world (laughs) like yeah the fact that it is like real people too it is like yeah it deletes bad it's really bad uh her dog eats the rock's toe. Everything yeah, is well, out the of rock control. feeds into it gleefully, yeah, which is weird. Because <laughs> he's all coke to the gills. Yeah. He does coke off of her back, or I don't know. But anyway, they decide they're going to dispose of the bodies and figure it out. Anthony Mackey has to clean his house before Rebel Wilson gets home, too, which leads to one of the saddest cleaning jobs in the history of movies he begins cutting out bloodstained pieces of his carpet in the hope. he's yeah. such a dummy he's such a dummy and yeah a true comedy of errors this uh, yeah they they have to go to the hardware store to buy a chainsaw to cut up the bodies they don't get the right one they blame it on the chinese because it's michael bay yeah um they do the rock completely breaks down he's like i can't i'm done I'm so done with you guys. Yeah, I quit. <laughs> I quit. They ditch everything. They ditch the bodies in the damn swamp. And but of course, like Ed Harris is like, yeah, to the cops, like you're gonna need to do something about this, like now. Mm-hmm. These guys are big, big trouble. Finally, the cops listen. They arrest the Rocket Church. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad for the rock in a way. His, like, yeah, his character seemed like weirdly the purest, even though he was also the most like I feel like he, and aggressive. Yeah, like, but it like the issue is is that, and it's such a great like it's a great piece of writing. Is like this is a guy who's so desperate mm-hmm. to be saved and be decent and have love, but he just can't. He's doomed. 
Yeah, he can't find it. He can't find. He wants that connection so badly, and he'll like, and he tries to get it everywhere. Like he tries and to he connect. Consist- to- and he gets consistently betrayed by all of these people who do not see him as a human being. They just see him as like this, like muscle a head, a tool. Yeah, both a tool in the literal and figurative sense. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and all variations on how you could use that word. and uh they they arrest anthony mackie at his house he's in the shower crying Mm -hmm. and but the we get mark Wahlberg does not want it he resists arrest and we get a good action scene of him Mm -hmm. trying to get away but we know he's done for we know he has no shot no yeah and so he gets he gets shot in the leg oh doesn't he oh he escapes on a go fast boat doesn't he? Yes, like the, he goes the to the Bahamas. He, he takes Kershaw's boat, like salt in the and wound. He knows that Kershaw has a secret, like, money laundering account in the Bahamas. Yeah, which he has to admit to, like, the authorities. And they catch him there. Mm-hmm. Mark gets arrested. They all go. Rebel Wilson immediately flips on Anthony Mackie. Yeah. And then even more so, The Rock immediately flips on the other two guys. Like. And we get it. Where are they now? And um, doesn't go well. They're sentenced to death. Yeah, like it's super grim. It is yeah, like yeah. I told you, it's like these guys. And I, yes, they're bad guys. But it's like it's so like how they are chewed up and spit out by the American. The idea of the American dream is like what makes me so sad. Yeah, tragic. They're I... so misguided. That's like in their attempts to do this and they're yeah, you're, at corners it, and their attempts to like you know get what they think they are owed yeah yeah it had a scorsese or a cohen brothers had someone else like man yeah because it is such a an interesting parable and yeah it says so much about society like the yeah, willingness even, even ed harris is playing like the tommy lee jones role in um no country for all men <laughs> Yes, 100%. Yeah, basically, he, yeah. he is basically in like yeah, and that's and he gets just as much out of it as Tom Lee Lee Jones. Yeah, and no he's like, it's like retirement and just being off the grid and like thanking your lucky stars that you're allowed to even do that. Yeah, is like being, your best is the best option you have. Yeah, being life. lucky you have someone who loves you and yeah, like, like yeah, because he's the only character who has like a like a loving relationship in this movie. Yeah. He's like the only normal person. He is genuinely because everyone else yeah. is. It's just a theater. It's a a menagerie of the grotesque. And he's sickened by everything he sees: the incomp, the incompetency, the disgusting behavior, the yeah. just jackassery <laughs> in general. And, yeah, yeah, and that's where it ends. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this, and even Jen watched it. Jen got sucked in and watched it with me. She doesn't usually mm-hmm. do that with a lot of these ones we've been doing recently <laughs> but she got and i was like i thought i kind of thought she'd get sucked. like it's 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 kind of an impossible movie if you especially if you've never seen it and don't know what happens like mm-hmm. did not get sucked in it's a yeah i think it's like it is like entertaining it's yeah. like an endless endlessly like it's and it's fascinating like seeing their like you know their 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 um their trek down the river sticks towards depravity like ultimate uh-huh. depravity just truly yeah it's it's we, wild. We, we talked about how much we like that story it's like you make a choice your character a desperate character makes a choice so like mm-hmm. the greatest you know bring it up all time like in the counselor mm-hmm. the counselor makes a choice to get mm-hmm. in the drug game 
with Javier Bardem and Westray and the rest of them, which leads him down an inevitable path, as Ruben Blades would describe, of a downfall. Yeah. Same with uh, when Josh Brolin finds that case of money in No Country for Old Men. Yeah. The the slot, the clear drug deal gone wrong, and decides to take the money. He is sealing his fate. Yeah. So it's basically just I I, I love that story. I I love the um kind of your fate is sealed for you oh, by totally. one by one choice kind of movie. Uh, I like yeah, your fate is sealed, and it's like it's like a combination of that, and then the um, like juggling, like the mm -hmm. how are they gonna keep like how are they gonna keep this up in the air? Like seeing yeah. like because the fun is like when it all falls, but you want to see like yeah, like how it's like an uncut gems type of film where you're like okay, oh yeah yeah how long yeah, you, how long can you stay paddling? How long can you like? At what point will the this the other shoe finally drop? But again, like with un like the Safties couldn't like oh annihilated God. this movie. Like just oh, totally. Like, uh, would have been like a safety so... or a Sean Baker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because like you get some of the same vibes in Red Rocket. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The you same know, queasiness too. Same, but like I think like it's too. Yeah. Yeah, but you. But I think it's like a little more self-aware. Maybe that's what this movie needed a little bit of. I don't know. But it, I mean, he wants to have his cake and eat it too. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of. It is what it is. It doesn't. It doesn't actually take away from the fact this is one of his finest movies. I do think it's like it is funny. It's like at least for me, it is like one of my favorite in terms of it's queasy. It's definitely like in like the fact that like it's a real story and it's treated the way it is is a little rough. But like, uh, in terms of just like entertaining and in terms of just like tone, like the mm -hmm. stupidity of the story matches the stupidity like the the the, the, the t i feel like michael bay's like if you can like kind of dial yourself into that bay mindset yeah uh the movie but then sometimes he can sometimes he can't yeah i think this is his most fascinating most certainly his most complicated and interesting yeah it's, it's like it's, it's a character piece i still think like be strictly because it's not based on a true story it's just a high concept action movie you can have no queasiness in your enjoyment of the rock oh yeah oh yeah the rock's kind of a perfect think, movie that might be it, his best movie i think yeah I, I think the rock is my definitely my favorite michael bay movie just because i think you you have not there's nothing there's nothing in it that like bothers yeah it's a perfect like, fun time at the movies it, yeah it's a fun time with like charismatic folks doing exciting it's very exciting like you yeah. know well and it's like and it feels like that's the last time that like michael bay worked with like stars of that qual like i feel like he never got to work with like a cage ever again or like a sean connor like those level of like he's got like of course he worked with bruce willis ben affleck so on and so forth mm -hmm. but i think there's something about like the, yeah, the 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 cage connery brew is so potent i also think too i think i think that the Bruckheimer simpson storytelling style yeah too. like it, it, it suits he, babe better he had to execute their story he did not have to really develop it himself mm -hmm. he didn't have his like there's no opportunity for sean connery to go to like a strip club that's doubling as a victoria's secret fashion show uh, yeah like yeah bay at this point yeah this is before bay was the brand 
Yeah, yeah, he was he was like the hotshot hired gun of Bruckheimer. And I think Bruckheimer is you know, it's crazy to say, a more sensitive storyteller. Like, <laughs> crazy to say because yeah. like his movies are not sensitive at all. <laughs> but I mean, like compared to the jackhammer that is Michael Bay, you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. Uh but regardless, this is a movie well worth anyone's time. Who, yeah. if, you, if you follow the show, if you're in line with the show's kind of trajectory that we've been doing here, <laughs> I think this is going to be one you you get a lot out of. Like, and it's a very exciting. It's one you you know fun to watch with your friends too because you can ooh and ah as it's yeah, going. Yeah, it's on. A, it's a fun. Yeah, it's definitely like yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's a great, it's a fun time. Yeah, you just wish that like yeah if those rough edges were sanded a little exactly yeah, the, uh, the specific like bay rough edges like yeah yeah his appetites were curbed there we go Cur- yeah a little bit more because the opportunity is there for a really like stunning piece of work to be yeah. honest like the and, script is so yeah it's a great script it, the and, characters are fascinating yeah and the ideas are really prescient to what yeah. we're you know you know they're very modern and current and worth really worth a look at from an artistic point of view um cinematography is by ben saracen edited by thomas amaldoon and joel negron music by steve jablonski who's a michael bay regular yeah i like this music and i feel like it had yeah it it suited the film to a t the movie has a 50 percent on rotten tomatoes patrick one of michael bay's um highest rotten tomato (laughs) scores wow um it may be his most thought-provoking film to date, but Michael Bay's Pain and Gain ultimately loses its satirical edge in a stylized flurry of violent spectacles. <laughs> um, I think that's close to what we have been getting yeah, at the last hour, I'd say. pretty accurate, yeah. <laughs> um, British critic Mark Commode described the film as grotesquely inappropriate. <laughs> and yeah. every bit as pumped up and steroidal as the appalling characters it is attempting to portray. It's an uh, evil movie. There's some evil to it, for sure. Scott found us a variety, wrote, the violence mostly lands with a sickening thud, which is fitting, one supposes, but also ultimately numbing. Mm. Um, referring to the movie as a Bay botch job, Rolling Stone gave it a half star out of four. The uh, Peter Travers of Rolling Stone particularly hated Michael Bay. <laughs> uh, they noted Bay once claimed he wanted to make a small personal film that would reveal the real Bay and I'm here to report that Pain and Gain is that film it's dumb, shallow, deeply cynical and creatively bereft <laughs> man not uh, a lot of love not a lot of not a lot of, not a lot of people in, in old Mr. Bay's uh, corner for this movie so Andrew O'Hare of Salon found the film cruel but funny adding Mm -hmm. michael bay sends a clear message to those of us who have been making fun of him he's been in on the joke the whole time Mm -hmm. interesting yeah i like um josh lewis i'm on pain and gains letterbox and josh lewis of the slazoids podcast he has a pretty solid uh, oh yeah yeah a review where it's um me in 2013 
Sort of like if Fargo was made by the ugliest, witless, most reprehensible human on the planet, whose tasteless, <laughs> hyperactive music video maximalism makes very little satirical sense and instead just operates as a gruesome, never-ending Florida man, Jim Bro fever dream. This sucks. And then he says, me in 2022, it's that exact same screed, but then this rocks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of where we are at critically with Michael Bay. It's like what we've been getting at these last few. It's like, yeah. well, now that things are the way they are, it's like, boy, kind of kind of rocks how ugly and crazy this things once were. Yeah, it's like <laughs> he can't keep getting away with it. Yeah, well, we'll talk about yeah. that next week. Uh, mm-hmm. Filmmaker Joe Lynch wrote uh, last year on Letterboxd, likes it more on second view if you consider this Michael Bay's blood simple. Back to the Coen brothers. Wow. Uh, Last movie I can remember where The Rock was really acting, not just exhausting natural charisma, and he's great in this. Typical Bay meanness and glistening flesh applied to a sun-soaked noir. Wow. (laughs) Spot on, Joe. (laughs) Spot on. All that the performances are great. It's, It's wildly entertaining. It's deeply cruel. It's an ugly movie. It Evil. leaves you feeling a little gutted by the time it's over. <laughs> Not all movies should end in hugs and kisses, though. <laughs> no, exactly. I think like I think for me, it's like maybe it's the fact that it is Michael Bay where I'm able to kind of like like turn my brain off a little bit. Yeah. Like it's like I, I don't ex- <laughs> maybe it's like that thing where it's like I don't expect better from Michael Bay. I don't expect him to like give like a uh a nuanced portrayal of the atrocities occurring. And so maybe that allows me to like, I guess like turn off my brain a little bit for a movie like this and be a little more entertained by it. Um, yeah. Whether that's right or wrong, it's a uh, little leave that to the audience to decide. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah. a, um, you all can look it up online. It's all there. Um, there is not a, uh, there's a lot of kind of stretching of the truth with what was real and what wasn't real. Oh yeah. Maybe. I would imagine. So. I don't, we, we don't have time on this podcast. It would take another hour for us to go through all of that kind of thing. I t- also tend to be a believer that if you want the real story, go read the journalistic book on yeah. this kind of thing. A movie is a movie. It's not a documentary. For sure. The question, of course, is the responsibility, the artistic responsibility in these situations for mm-hmm. the story you want to tell as a filmmaker who wants to just make a yeah. movie that fits into their oeuvre versus the responsibility, especially when it's a um, based on violent crime. Are, with and it's a recent yeah, like with, cause it, yeah, it's it's like one thing if you're making a. Um a movie about Martin Van Buren and you portray him as like a, a wacky party animal or whatever. Like, you know, it, the, you know, there's no Martin Van Buren around. And, and I think, think he's it, fine. Yeah. And it's interesting. Cause like, you know, I've heard, um, Aaron Sorkin mm-hmm. discuss this exact topic and feel Aaron like Aaron Sorkin, uh, <laughs> they need for, um, you know, kind of the movie wins out over real life. Cause movie real life does not play out like a movie needs to play out. And probably the greatest example is kind of his, like, you know, the um, rosebud of social network, the opening date scene 
and then the ending where he keeps clicking the friend request, which obviously is not particularly real to the real Mark Zuckerberg, but it's an incredible choice as a writer yeah. to tie everything also, together. Like, oh, totally. Ring of truth. There, yeah, there, and you buy it. Yeah. It doesn't feel that far off. It's like kind of a um, a metaphor, more mm-hmm. more so than like just hard facts. You buy it. You like hit because his idea, like, okay, he needs that in the Steve Jobs movie. It's all kind of his shame of being an absentee father while being an adopted child, mm-hmm. and using that to wrap around why he's an asshole, basically. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> um, Mister you know, Turtleneck sucked. Yeah, yeah, Mister Why Mister Turtleneck is was impossible to be around. Yeah. Um, now, is that responsible? I don't know. Mm. Read a book, watch a documentary. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like the thing too is like I just I. Yeah, in the end of the day, it is like. It's Michael Bay. Like he's not gonna. Yeah, it's just not gonna be. I don't know. Yeah, there's. I don't think you're getting into this movie. Yeah. You're not. No one is watching this movie to like learn about the Sun Jim bandits, mm-hmm. like detail by detail, like in a true crime podcast or something like that. I'm sure there is a true. I haven't looked it up, but I'm sure there actually is a true crime podcast about these guys. Hundred percent. There has to be at least at the very least, like a Miami Herald article. Yeah. Or something. What you're getting yeah. into in this movie is the pitch: kidnapping bodybuilders in Miami. Directed by Michael Bay, starring Mark Wahlberg and The Rock. Yeah. That's why you're watching this movie. It's a vehicle. It's a vehicle yeah. for that entertainment. Exactly. Take it as you will. You, Some of you listeners out there, if you follow along religiously and watch all the movies that we watch, you might find this appalling. Yeah, it's a, it's and, a demonic. You have every right to yeah. feel that way. That is, yeah, not, that is not a bad or off-center opinion. No, it's it's not a good. Yeah, it's 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 queasy. It's a queasy film. But I but I dig it because we don't get a lot of like big budget blockbuster level queasy movies. It's kind of yeah. I kind of like was vibing with how just absolutely horrid every character was. There was something kind of like weirdly refreshing about seeing seeing someone like The Rock who like has curated his um. His uh, personality, like his whole like style, to be so a, much li- a living superhero. Yeah, is kind of his entire thing. Yeah, and to, to see him like you know just being this depraved lunatic who's like grilling hands, like it is. It's also very broken. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's worth it. Yeah, it's and it's like yeah, it's another side. Yeah, it's it's worth it. Now uh, it should be noted that this movie um was not. A smash at the uh, at the box office. Mm-hmm. It um, and audiences did not like particularly love it. It got like a C cinema mm. score, and I think because it's not, it's actually like not a particularly fun time. <laughs> like no, it's not enjoyable at the movies. And but I think that it was accepted because it's like a breather from the Transformers. Yeah. So on a budget of 26 million, it made 86 million. I guess, though, they kind of thought it was never going to, you know, do, you know, reach Transformers heights. But I will say this the Wolf of Wall Street 
made like $300 million. Yeah. O- Oppenheimer just crossed $900 million. So true stories made for adults can cross over to a success, but they have to be a little more pal- like Palatable, palatable, nuanced, yeah. Nuanced, like, thought through, all those kind mm-hmm. of things that is yeah. just kind of not Mr. Bay's forte. Yeah, and it might be, yeah. And I don't know, like, is this, does this mark the end of the Bay era? Well, it's, it. he went on to do, in 2014, you guessed it, another Transformers picture. Transformers Age of Extinction. Ooh, is this the one with uh, Wahlberg? This is the one Wahlberg joined the cast. He and Wahlberg, you know, Wahlberg and Bay seem like they would be fairly sympatico fellas. Is that a a freaking Transformer? (laughs) I know. My God, I think we just found a Transformer. Like, I didn't realize, like, I guess because they've been on Earth for, at this point, six movies or whatever. They would probably be, like, pretty common knowledge to an average Joe (laughs) on and Earth is like. I mean, I think there's like a, a sequel yeah, where they're they're around with knights and shit. Like, there's like they're in the medieval. <laughs> I'm yeah. No, I don't ever want to deal with those. Uh, so and like, I like how like a Don Don like the blood left on that. He's so he's, he's a shade paler now that I told him that. <laughs> yeah, this is, of course, 2017's Transformers: The Last Night, which is Michael Bay's final to this day directed Transformers movie. He directed five of them. And I'm not yeah. saying Michael Bay isn't Peter Jackson, who's like an infinitely ta- like Peter Jackson is like it seems like almost endlessly talented. Oh yeah, like, even if you're not like a fan of all of his movies, you have like he's like so he thinks and he's creative on a oh yeah the really, way he... like the way he does this is like singular. It's like George Miller in that regard, or somebody oh, like oh yeah, that. or like Sam Raimi. Like yeah, that? that's the level. So there is a depressing status of like Peter Jackson being stuck doing f- Hobbit movies. Well, it's like and he he's stuck there because it's like uh like at this point it's like how the economy of New Zealand functions is like yeah, whether or he, not he, he makes a yeah, Hobbit movie. He, he, the the Peter Jackson industry that he is responsible for is vast. Same can be said about Michael Bay though because he does have like Platinum Dunes, which makes all of those horror movies, which, interestingly enough, this next film led to perhaps their biggest success because Platinum Dunes did A Quiet Place. Oh, wow. Which is a massive success. Yeah, I didn't realize this. Critical and commercial level. It's a wonderful movie. Mm -hmm. Um, He owns like special effects. He does all of this stuff. He has a Michael Bay industry that in particular the Transformers movies have been able to fuel. And pay for i think the hope is like you know soderbergh has talked about this he's one of the great minds of this kind of strategizing mm-hmm. the one for them one for me oh yeah kind of movie and it's going to you know make a transformers but make a pain and gain after like between mm-hmm. transformers movies and it looked like he was on that road here because between two transformers movies and between Pain and Gain, Transformers, Transformers, he makes a movie that I think only Michael Bay would want to like uh. want to make. <laughs> kind of like 
willingly, naively almost willing to wade into in 2016, <laughs> mind you, the pond of making a movie about Benghazi and the attack on Ben and the controversy. And not really the yeah. controversy. He doesn't like, I don't think he, I think he's actually trying to not be political mm-hmm. with this. He's film. trying to tell it how it is. Tell it how it is from the point of view of the people who matter, which are of course ex seal operator types. Yes, yeah. his his burly his burly beard boys. Like he loves the burly his... beard. And you know, I purposely didn't shave this mm-hmm. morning, Patrick, because I'm I I in solidarity more... yeah. with the secret with the secret soldiers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know you're the one who currently controls Charlie Daniels' uh, Twitter account, right? You tweet that okay, every so like three days or whatever. Our... Uh, if long-time listeners will know, one of our favorite internet things is two days after he died, somehow Charlie Daniels continued to tweet about needing to know the truth about Benghazi. It's hey, it's not going away. It's not going away. It, it outlived going away. It, the controversy outlived him. It's yeah, kind of amazing and wild. I don't know how he did it from beyond, but that's what he's decided from beyond. And if that is from beyond. If From Beyond is just a cur- another variation of people arguing on the internet, oh. boy. <laughs> I want to stay here. I want to stay here even more. I want to <laughs> stay here anyway. Give so me immortality. Sec- our second film today is, of course, 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Released the quest in- for Benghazi's gold. When everything went wrong, six men had the courage to do what was right, Patrick. Mm. Uh, released on January 15th. 2016 screenplay by Chuck Hogan based on 13 hours by Mitchell Zuckoff. Interestingly enough, I don't know how Mitchell Zuckoff's career has led him in these directions. He has a um, oral history of the life of Robert Altman that I have on my bookshelf that I have read like Ooh. when it came out because I was excited for it to come. It's a great book. So I have no clue how his follow-up book to a beautiful oral history of the great Robert Altman is the story of the secret soldiers. I don't know yeah. <laughs> how journalistically he ended up from one. Those seem to be quite opposite poles in yeah. the, um, in like one minute, one minute. Career. you're, rec- Yeah. One minute you're recording uh, Keith Carradine's uh, wistful memories of being on the set of McCabe and Miss Miller. <laughs> and then a nun minute you're, <laughs> Talking to like the guys that made bullet coffee or whatever. Yeah, yeah, some deeply embittered ex seals. Like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, if if he gets wind of that we're doing this podcast, I would love, even if it's by email, for him to kind of explain. And this is not. This is just pure curiosity. Career about your career, like how you live a life. Yeah, like it's cool. I don't know. You got to, yeah, you got a chance to talk to Meryl Streep about Prairie Home Companion. And then it's like, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. Usually you get kind of um, lumped in in like a category once you become like, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of writer. Oh, totally. That kind of filmmaker or whatever. Like they don't think outside the box and let you do other things. But somehow this happened. I don't know. Yeah. One minute you're shooting the breeze with uh, Tim Robbins about shortcuts. And then the next minute you're. Talking to an ex-Libyan like general. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah, I don't know either. Deep, deeply curious, but uh, mm. 
and Michael Bay produced this one. This is definitely a um, straight from the heart Michael Bay joint. Oh, uh, yeah. Right off the top, we got to give credit to the technical team and cinematographer Dion Beebe, who did, you know, he was the DP on Collateral, which is kind of a major movie mm-hmm. cinemat- cinematically. Oh, yeah. It's due to its early use of digital and kind of groundbreaking choices that they did. And I feel like that, that also did my advice. Yeah. You know, and a great, great cinematographer. Uh, the editors on the picture, he had three editors, which I think was probably necessary for this movie. Uh, one of which, though, is Pietro Scalia of, oh, Ridley, wow. of Ridley Scott World. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, Michael McCusker and Calvin Wimmer. And music by Lauren Balfe. But I don't know if you saw, um, I think it's on my Blu-ray. I'm going to go grab it off the shelf here because I got to read this to you. Oh, um, no. oh yes. Oh, no. <laughs> Executive music producer Hans Zimmer. I don't know what that means. What is? I guess like I don't he's just. What the hell does that mean? Like, yeah, no, that like, sounds nice. <laughs> I don't think like the executive music producer on like Bad Boys Two was Puff Daddy, but that makes sense. Like he, it's yeah. like Puff Daddy's like I'm gonna pick out a rad soundtrack mm-hmm. for this movie. That's what I'm. That's what I see him doing. I don't know, like, when it's a movie that's, like, literally just a score and then, like, a maudlin Chris Cornell song over the credits. Yeah. Um, did he, like, pick that Chris Cornell song? Like, Yeah, did, uh, did he, like, yeah, did he, like, hook up with Chris and write that song? I don't know. I don't know how okay. they talk Chris. I would love to know how they talk Chris Cornell into writing a new song Yeah. for this movie. Yeah. I don't know. I have no clue, but yeah. I thought that I thought that was an interesting fun fact that Hans Zimmer is the executive music producer, and it seems like maybe he didn't maybe he didn't have time to do the score himself, so he just brought in some of his guys and kind of shepherded it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Interesting, nonetheless. So, um, the movie obviously is a bit of a uh, you know they like straight from the headlines type things they like straight from the headlines military movies so at this point um i think even before a year before american sniper may have been zero dark 30 but zero dark 30 american sniper lone survivor are like smash hits at the box office yeah when it uh, felt like cro- we were in the a lot of them cross red and blue lines to get mm. red and blue state lines to get people in, especially like Lone Survivor and American Sniper were like smash hits in well, red and states. I, and I think like it was interesting too, because during the Bush era, they were having such a, a hard time nailing this genre, mm. like the modern war genre. Like they were having a hard time finding it like a uh, crit- both critically and successfully. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, you had Lions for Lambs and uh, In the Valley of Eli, or Eli, yeah. Eli, uh, uh, and uh, all those, yeah, all those films, and none of them really, um, was it The they Great Raid? They didn't resonate critically, for the most part, outside of a couple, or commercially. I mean, even, like, The Hurt Locker, which resonated huge com- uh, critically, was a, did nothing at the box office. I think it was like the lowest grossing yeah. like Oscar until, winner for a while. <laughs> until like Moonlight or certainly Coda because I don't think yeah. I'm not even sure. I don't Let's even know Coda, Coda, I, Coda I don't even know Coda ever came out in like <laughs> theaters for longer than like a day. I mean it you know it's like a TV movie. That's a TV movie. Oh yeah. You get, it, but... Yeah you didn't get you didn't get swept up in Coda fever? I've never seen it. Oof. Did you see it? Uh no. 
no, not at all. But it probably was fine. I don't know. Sure, it was fine. But yeah, these things happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like, rip from the headline, but they kind of did figure it out with like um, making it a little more conservative oriented. Mm-hmm. I think, especially with the Lone Survivor, in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I even I think American Sniper is a much sneakier critique mm-hmm. than it's given credit for. But we can talk about that on a different much. That's a much larger conversation. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I think you know. I, I think I think Clint is. I think based on Clint's reputation and Chris Kyle's reputation, there's a surface level gut reaction to what's going on in that movie and i think clint is up to a little bit more than you mm, think he is he a is little more i think there's a little bit more critique happening than meets the eye especially when it comes to training these guys up to be and encouraging them to be complete psychopaths and then like letting them loose in the yeah. regular world afterwards without a net especially like, when you consider like how that movie the arc of that film, I think you're onto uh, something. Yeah, I think there's more to it than than just a hoorah type movie. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I need to. God, I can't even but, remember. I feel like I watched it a long time ago. I need to rewatch we're not, that. At we're some not. Point. We're not. We're on. We're on a timeline yeah. here, and we're not talking about that movie. Yeah. We're not talking <laughs> about Coop. The Coop. So basically, you know, what we what we get is. Um, the CIA has a secret station in post-revolution Libya mm-hmm. that is off the grid. Most people don't know about it. Needs protection. Yeah. Um, because it's off the grid, we're relying on ex-military operators to do said protection. Yeah, people like in the the gray spaces of life, so to speak. I mean, you, you know, you I mean, you know these guys. You know yeah. exactly. These are the, and we're, like we were joking. They are like the these burly, bearded, like, yeah, fairly like fairly on the edge, <laughs> fellas. Yeah, <laughs> like have you ever seen like a commercial on YouTube for like um like uh, a man's soap? Like these are the guys in that ad. Yeah, they. <laughs> In some circles, they would be called bears, but not in their circles. <laughs> no, no, no. Not, not in their circle. Um, <laughs> and basically, though, um, it's, you know, we're presented with the background that it's very fragile. Yeah. The entire it's like situation. a Gaddafi is, has been ousted. And uh, there's a lot of, um, as per the huge, when someone like that is ousted usually in secret with secret us support there's yeah. no real plan for infrastructure or leadership what to follow yeah generally, generally speaking leads to horrendous civil war yeah a horrendous case of throwing the like a heinous case of throwing the baby with the bathwater like a very like just total yeah and the Firm commitment to this whole hearts and minds concept that, oh, if we show them the right way, if we show them rad American democracy, <laughs> everything will just follow suit. Yeah. Also, keep in mind, we were like also 
and maybe I'll edit this out because I don't know how like accurate. I don't. Uh, I wish I was more abreast on this news, but I'm pretty sure like we were supporting Gaddafi through all of the two two thousands as a. Like, well, we, I mean, you know, it's the same thing with Bin Laden. It's just genuinely like totally it, it, leaping leaping sides to whatever is the most opportune in that moment. There is flavor no, of the week. There, Very there flavor of no, the week. There is no moral consistency at all no. in any of this, despite what the true believers <laughs> would tell you. Um. Anyway, and, sorry, folks. <laughs> yeah, with this movie we have to wade into <laughs> some of these areas. There's yeah. as much as Michael Bay seemingly does not particularly want to wade into some of these areas. We need to wait. This that's one of the issues with this movie is the <laughs> fact that you kind of have to. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. So the movie opens basically with we we get backstory on Mm -hmm. everything that's going on in Libya. It's actually quite helpful. It kind of lays it out pretty well Mm -hmm. or kind of set us up for this, this moment with the security forces rotating in its sixth member. I don't know what happened to number six before this, Mm -hmm. but the sixth guy that they need. Oh no, they say they need another guy because the leader of this force believes rightfully because he's he's been through this probably because he's our voice of reason in this movie yeah. in the re- within the realm of reason that is this movie mind yeah. you yeah uh that because these guys they're so on edge they believe attack is imminent mm-hmm. at all times and they need more guys despite the protestations of the the um the leader of the the fake the underground CIA headquarters who his name in the picture, yeah, we gotta, we'll just start off with this actor. <laughs> Why not tear the bandaid here? Oh, yeah. Bob, aka the the CIA, the station chief, played by the great actor David Constable. Oh, such uh, a good, Cost, yeah. Costa, Costable. Costable? I'm sorry, David. Costable? Sorry. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough last uh, name, but he, yeah. You know him from, uh, I mean, most people, I think, first saw him and got to know him on Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. As uh, was, was he Gale? Is that his name on that show? I think so. Yeah, he was like the uh, guy kind of impressed by uh, uh, Walter, Walter White's kind of, and then he gets killed by oh, spoiler, Jesse, I believe, <laughs> and leads, which leads to Jesse's complete another breakdown. Mama mia! Um, but well, then he's yeah. also uh, tremendous in on Billions. Ooh, uh, Bobby X Axelrod's number two guy Ooh. on that show. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's he's yeah. He's oh, good. he's. Also yeah. an incredible turn in the fifth season of The Wire in a similar yeah. role. He's like another yeah. kind of like sleazeball-y. Like, uh, uh, terrific kind of sleazeball, kind of corporate stooge kind of guy. We just rewatched Aliens the other night and the king, Paul Reiser. Oh, yeah. You know, fits that bill, too. And that, you know, you, we, you all know the guy. Yeah. He's the guy standing in the way of men and women of true action and character. Mm-hmm. You know him. Yeah, he comes up a lot on these things. It's unfortunate he comes up on this um, politically tenuous movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but... yeah, he's hey, this is a guy who doesn't get his uh, he doesn't get his shoes dirty. He doesn't get his hands, not, you yeah, know, messy. He is not he is not one of our guys. But he agrees. He does not. He does not agree. But he allows for a sixth security agent to be brought in, and this is of course our leading character, Jack Silva. What a name. <laughs> Big name. Like, not even, this is, like, I believe that 
Jack Silva is the most fabricated of the um, characters because I think they needed they needed kind of an odd like a traditional like lead. Wait, you're telling me that uh, Jack Silva was the real life Jack Silva? His wife did not like announce her uh, her pregnancy of her like 18th child or whatever in a McDonald's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> drive-through. And you're right, you're right. You you texted me that the most emotionally resonant scene in the movie is in a McDonald's drive-through, and I was like, oh come on, I don't even remember that scene from the first time I watched this movie. You're right. It was emotionally resonant. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is like the heart of the movie in this. I, and they do like batter you with the fact that all these guys are fathers. Oh yeah, they're all or married. Married with fathers. Married and they do like a montage scene where they're all like on Skype talking to yeah. their kids before the battle. So I I got to say though like all these like emotional manipulations not to get into it too early with the our final thoughts but like, I, I feel terrible. They worked. They totally yes. worked for me. I was like, it's like I want these guys to make it home to their kids. Like, yeah. I felt like, I, I was explaining to my friends last night. I was like, I feel so queasy because I'm like, I want the guys to win. I want them to make it. I want the American snipers to go home. I know, like, and cause all sorts of trouble, and for me to hate their guts on the internet because they'll they're tweeting out like. Terrible things. <laughs> they like sell yeah. you coffee that hurts you. I know, and like, t- you know, telling you're a snowflake if you don't eat their coffee, which 100% guaranteed to kill you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this coffee will fucking murder you. Yeah, you want to die today? Have a cup of coffee. On gun a, coffee. On, yeah, dead coffee. Dead uh, gun coffee. Yeah, we saw coffee at the store yesterday. Death Wish coffee. Jesus Christ. No kidding. Jeez. Interesting, interesting, interesting marketing tie-in. Whatever happened to coffee-flavored coffee? Am I right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Charles Bronson. Yeah. That. So, um, Jack Silva uh, is a bearded warrior. He's got kids back home. He mm-hmm. takes off his wedding ring on the flight. Classic tradecraft stuff, and like that dumb CIA agent. Like, how come you're all married? And none of you wore wedding rings. Come on! I even know that. I've seen enough movies to know that it's identifiable. If you yes. get captured, that's why. Come yeah. on, get in, get your head in the game, movie. I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even an asset, and I know that shit. Like, yeah, I'm a lanyard guy. If anything, yeah, I'm like that British guy. <laughs> don't get a tent. Don't get a tattoo. It's identifiable. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Jack Silva is played by John Krasinski. Now, John Krasinski at this point was absolutely most known as Jim from The Office. Yep. The lighthearted soft comedy sitcom. Yeah. On NBC that still dominates most of your households. Yeah, we still <laughs> haven't like evolved beyond that. No one that's... has no, absolutely no one has gotten over and still watches endlessly. <laughs> yeah, if you go unhinged, that is like when 75% of all humans apparently are primarily interested. That's like the defining yeah aspect of their lives is their love of yeah. white and the boys the, the the gang on the office yeah um jim hand or john krasinski i remember at this time he had he was one of the finalists for captain america mm. as well and it was very clear and one thing about krasinski you have to like give him credit for he's very ambitious 
and he sees more of himself than being a successful sitcom actor. Mm-hmm. And he has really kind of worked it, maybe almost like too bluntly to prove bluntly he married Emily Blunt. She mm-hmm. helped him out quite a bit, I think. <laughs> but uh, he, like, whether it's things like, you know, purposely like directing movies, like indie movies on the side of mm-hmm. the office to like trying to get into the Marvel movies to even like little things like hanging out with like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and becoming like a surrogate Boston guy. Like he wasn't part of the original Boston crew, nope. but he's kind of like wormed his way in. And he to hovers around of, that world. Like, hovers around that because he, he is from Massachusetts. He is a Red Sox guy. But it's like, it is like, oh, like, that's a, like, you know, he's made successful friends in addition to, you know, he's kind of like found, he's, again, he's worked the system to his advantage. And in 2016, I think he felt it was clearly necessary to branch out to do something that shows I'm like a leading man. Yeah. Like a traditional, like, like I can do like gun stuff and muscle stuff and like that kind of deal. It's yeah, it's so clear that he is definitely one of the, I feel like there is a crop of those guys. It's like, you know, Chris Pratt was like the one that kind of succeeded. John yeah. Krasinski, um, Zachary Levi mm-hmm. comes yeah, up as another one of those. Yeah. 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 Chuck, I think yeah. A, yeah. Uh, yeah. Still only know him as fucking Chuck, but you know, <laughs> it's because it, he did, because he did, he succeeded less than, you know, because I think Chris, this that didn't do it, but I think Quiet Place did it oh, to get Krasinski time. like over the top. Yeah, and well, then, I gave him like you know, because like now he kind of feel like some people almost think of him as like put him in like the Jordan Peele zone, where he's this example of a guy that like went from like comedy to directing horror or whatever. Like I think he's like I've... it was it was very calculated because like in interviews, basically like he got the Quiet Place script and he freely admitted he like had never seen very many horror movies and had Mm. to do like a full, like, like a one Oh one class on (laughs) to watch them all. Wow. Whereas like Jordan Peele, it seems like was always like that guy and comedy was kind of his way in, but he like, he knew exactly. I know I want to make these like social thrillers. That's like where I want to get to. Like he's the real, because he's, the real fucking deal. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, like Jordan, he, well, Jordan has the juice. Yeah. He's got the juice, baby. Like, like yeah, and, and John, like, he has to kind of struggle to get that juice. And I think Krasinski, like, saw, like, okay, like, I, this is a good script, and horror movies are a good way to, like, get eyes, get asses and seats. It's a, yeah, it's but a little I more also, manufactured. Yeah. I also think, you know, and one thing you to credit him, the one thing he likes about it, it was a movie about being a dad, the a quiet place, and that's something he that's personal to him because he's a yeah, father. Well, I think that's his, that's his end. Yeah. That's his thing, and that's how he like, that's how he connected with the story. It wasn't because it was a horror movie or an alien movie or something. Like all he wanted to do was tell a story about a family. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes the movie really good, because it's mm-hmm. per- because it becomes personal from there. Yeah. With and it kind of lose maybe maybe like you lose you you lose a little bit of that with Michael Bay perhaps, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I think and I think like and I think 
Krasinski also like like a lot of these guys like a, when they do action movies like I think he got really into the research and hanging out in the world of the operators and stuff like that because like you know I mean he when he did like promo work for the Jack Ryan series he was like CIA guys are awesome Yeah, and that's that got Rose. him in trouble yeah <laughs> it got him oh, in trouble no. <laughs> you I know love but this. but in the time in the moment there was like oh this is like a kind of a wild casting idea office gym you know pulling pranks on Dwight now he's like Mr. Badass like operator dude Yeah, well, it's like, I think he, like, straight up saw, like, Pratt and Guardians in Jurassic World and was like, I can do that. I I should can do that. be, That's that's the way in, basically. yeah, I can make the, I can make, or even, yeah, or even earlier, he saw Pratt Yeah. and fucking Zero Dark Thirty and was like, But okay, if he can do yeah, it, I have a way in. get in shape, grow a beard, Yep. and we'll see what Act, happens. Yeah, act but taciturn. I think, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think Pratt and Zero Dark Thirty probably really stuck out too, Yeah. as a like, oh, that's a way in. Yep. And so Jack Silva is met at the airport by. Uh, Tyrone Roan Woods, who was a very real person, um, who is played by the great, deeply underrated actor, James Badge Dale, who Yeah. Krasinski feels like he's like putting on the clothes, going through the motions that he Yeah. needs to. But you still like it's hard to separate Jim in a sense. All, honestly, all those office guys, like you watch Steve Carell in anything, like it really took like Steve Carell having a fake nose and Foxcatcher and Yeah. insane like borderline nose for to makeup to like, you know, kind of divorce him from that world. Yeah, and I think, and then the tough part here though is second James Badge Dale comes in with like his weathered ass like suntan Yeah. and beard, you know, jacked but like kind of wire like, you're Yeah. like oh I buy this guy like completely, You get like a sense the, that this guy's lived a life. yeah he's like yeah you and but I do really love the opening scene where they get stuck in traffic and draw down. on those guys like it's very tense it's very like a good tense like you know free can he villain villainue even like in sicario kind of um intensity that michael bay actually doesn't do because it feels like the stakes are real you Mm. like the stakes are never real in any other michael bay movie <laughs> like yeah for the most part this is like the yeah this is like the first time i feel like we've done watching these where like not that his movies haven't had stakes but they definitely there's like heft to them Yeah. So for this, basically for the sake of time, Jack Silva is, they get through this opening kind of standoff, but we see this is in the script to give us a further example of how rocky tensions are in Libya and how scary things are. Meanwhile, um, so Jack is brought to the base. We get the CIA people do not take the operator seriously. We know as an audience, because this movie is not called The Secret CIA of Benghazi, it's called Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, that these soldiers are correct in their paranoia and um, threat level Mm. Mm. of what's going on around them. And the CIA is arrogant. They are Yeah. arrogant stooges. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a, a classic uh, Michael Bay uh, flippant disregard for authority, which is kind Yep. of always fun. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And... Uh, absolute respect and love for like boots on the ground. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of guys. He loves it. It's, yeah. We meet the rest of the gang. 
which are uh, Max Martini plays Mark Osgeist, Dominic Formosa plays John Tig Tegan, Pablo Schreiber plays Chris Tanto Pronto, David Denham, Roy from The Office, mm. plays Dave Boone Benton. These yeah. are our uh, six soldiers who, you know, I read you the poster at the start. Yeah. It, they can, it's going to have basically yeah. all out war is in the on the shoulders of these six guys and they all kind of like fulfill certain tropes like yeah like uh boone is like the cerebral one tig is like the one that's been around the longest max uh, martini is probably the most meat-headed of them all the most taciturn but we know like when the shit hits the fan he's gonna be like tough as nails and oh like, yeah like he, he won't take uh from he anyone won't take shit uh tanto is the mouthy one yeah he's uh, like the he's the wacky guy yeah so they all kind of uh, Roan is the um, unimpe- you know, unimpeachable rock solid leader. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Like if Jack- they were the seven dwarves, Roan is Doc. Like he's the. <laughs> and Silva is the new, the audience surrogate new guy. Yeah. Basically, who's going to see all this? And he's played by the most famous person in the cast. Mm-hmm. So we know he's either going to make it out or die heroically. Yeah, he goes to the Elysium. (laughs) Yeah, those are the only two options for him. (laughs) Meanwhile, so things are already tenuous, and then an ambassador, um, the ambassador's name is uh, Christopher Stevens. He's the ambassador to Libya. We have learned at the start that the um, embassies have been pretty much all shut down Mm -hmm. in Libya at this point because it is so dangerous. Yeah. And he comes in, and he has a real... um, you, he's he's one of these guys who thinks that he can capture the hearts and minds of the people. He's one of these guys that thinks like, oh, like U.S. exceptionalism and intervention and being there and showing them that mm-hmm. will help guide this situation to peace. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've learned historically through U.S. interventions, uh, that is naive at best, dangerous at worst. Yeah, and it's interesting the portrayal of him. I think they, I think like they're sympathetic to him, but he's definitely also portrayed as like a very like he doesn't know what he's getting into necessarily. It's a little naive, and yeah. again, that comes down to our six guys, basically saying stating that mm-hmm. before all this happens, that you need this is dangerous. You need more security. His security is pretty much you know played up as guys who are not like up to snuff yeah like they're okay but they're not they're not our, operators they're, like they're these not guys. our meathead operator guys that, you know? yeah it's it's like it's like they're partially like you know americans that aren't up to snuff and then partially like uh like locals with uh dubious uh, alignments yeah and that's made clear too is that most of the people that they're working with locally uh, are the enemy at worst can't be trusted at best yeah or and it's just like it's difficult like yeah there's like this recurring like it's very fog of war i don't no one knows who to trust exactly at any time yeah and so basically what happens is that as predicted there is an assault on the compound where the ambassador is staying. Mm-hmm. And this is really, you know, this is where it gets for me. 
I have a lot of conf conflicts in my viewing experience because <laughs> it's real. Yeah, it's a real people died. Horrible tragedy. Horrible tragedy, and it was a fuck up beyond yeah. all. You know, it was bad. It was, it yeah. was a true <laughs> fuck up, and people obviously shit. Still, Trump is still bringing the shit up. Like, I mean, like, there's still a little like, it. Yeah, and they're this should be investigated in its own way not politically speaking but it should be investigated to make sure yeah. something like this doesn't happen again as, that should be yeah, the, it, like as uh, fun as it course. is to like yeah as fun as it is to like poke light at like charlie daniel's insistence on it not going away and all that stuff. yeah like it is like a horrendous um mm -hmm. like it is something that should be like you said should be investigated we should kind of figure out how to prevent yeah because we don't want this happening i mean this is the same deal as like on you know, 9-11, basically having the intel that something was going to go down, but because the FBI and the CIA are glory hogs who didn't want to get along, they didn't share the information for the greater good. Mm -hmm. This is the same kind of, like, careerist and, you know, yeah, selfishness. Bureaucratic uh, bullshit. Yeah. Arrogance. I mean, you name it. Yeah. You know, and miscommunications. Just general miscommunications. So basically what goes down is that they're but the queasiness I have is that technically and viscerally, Michael Bay presents maybe his some of his most exciting, yeah, in your lizard brain sequences, yeah, thrill like truly like thrilling and scary and on the ground, and you're like in it from yeah. the opening of this like this battle this initial assault sequence where you're like. And you get, and he does this manipulation where you are put in the mindset of the ambassador, first the ambassador and his team, and then the operate the GRS, that's what they're called, GRS, operators mm -hmm. at the secret CIA location. And you're like, I want these guys. Because he does also make the Libyans completely, like in Black Hawk Down with the Somalians, he makes the Libyans completely faceless. Oh, they're it, literally they're dropping Zombieland as a reference for where like the Libyans are like are located. emerging from to try and kill them. Yeah, so and it's um yeah. you're planted so firmly on the side of the six guys. Yeah, well, and it's like it's so funny. Like, um, there's a lot of stuff in the paper uh, in the press right now about Harmony Corinne, like his most mm -hmm. recent movie, and about how like uh, video games are the future. This is like yeah. what cinema, and he thinks he's like coming out with this new like genre of film or whatever that's really influenced by video games but like this is for me like oh yeah i mean this kind of like the peak of video game like this is like call of duty it, zombies mode essentially made yeah, into a movie this, this is yeah this is a call of duty but then but bay does give like an hour before this assault sequence he just hammers non-stop the gentle humanity of our six guys Oh yeah, well they're like yeah, they're reading Joseph Campbell and they're cracking jokes and they're and like, watching Tropic Thunder together <laughs> and they all he wants to be there. As, Bay wants as to. We be. mentioned they all have families and they all have a ton of kids and you're <laughs> yes. like okay, like I don't want these I don't want these kids to grow up without a father. No. So you're so like it's it's a it's a the word I mentioned before it's a manipulation. Yeah. It's a complete utter manipulation, and I can't believe it because I've seen this movie twice now. I fell for it both times. Gotcha. I feel, yeah, I feel dumb and bad 
but at this <laughs> like I've told you I was like I told you I'm very conflicted about this because like I was watching this movie I'm like I like this movie should I like this movie like my gut like lizard gut I'm like I want to be I want to grow a beard and be like one of the guys what are you like, guys I feel like gross even like confessing that on this podcast in no, a way but that's it's real though that's like an honest but i, I want to like, like but that's kind of what i want to do on the pod is like like think about it on an intellectual level and a gut level and like yeah all these feelings and like process these feelings I, I like, feel a bit... you don't feel good about it but at the same time when you're watching you're like man i'm invested in these guys i want these fucking guys to make it well, I think like Michael Bay does, like he has, like he he's figured out lizard brain. He can like press those buttons. He does it with me. I get yeah. it. Like, and all of the actors, the six guys, are all charismatic. Oh, they're so like, good. You like them? Yes. Like, the and actors you hate, do, and you hate the fucking CIA. You hate <laughs> lanyard man. You hate him. Hate you're him. So you're yeah. you're you're hooting and hollering when they're talking about rubbing their dicks on his beret. Like you're like on their and side. Then, so basically, like you get to like the key moment of the, so the entire time he's like shutting James Badgedale down. He's like, "You guys are just a, you guys are like relics of a different time of warfare. You're useless. We don't need you. It's all about nego- you know negotiations." Oh, he even says that we have the t- most talented people from Harvard and Yale working on it. Which literally, Blizzard Brain Dawn is like, yeah. Fuck those assholes! Like, they know, suck. Like, yeah, yeah, they they're suck. stinkers. Yeah. yeah, and that's like, yeah, it is like, man. Yeah, I know. It's like you think the part of you that hates the like lanyard, like negotiator, like government types, and like yeah. get some action, you know. So the the secret soldiers are like demanding CIA man let them go save mm-hmm. the ambassador, and CIA like got protocols, like they're fine, like. Get, and you're just like, oh, they don't. They're not fine. We've seen it. Michael Bay showed us how bad yeah. it is over there. It's really bad. It's terrible. So finally, they just go. They're like, fuck you. We're just going. Like, they go, and they're awesome. They're like unstoppable. Oh, maneuvering yeah. the streets of Benghazi. It's they literally are- like you're watching GTA or something. Like it is just like they're just like driving around. Like they they swerve around cars. They run into cars. The like- six of them are so on the same page. They're yeah. so good at their job. They know mm-hmm. exactly the moves to make. Who to how to cover. Everyone else around them is a loser. Yeah. These guys are phenomenal. They get mm-hmm. there. It's not good. The plate. The yeah. palace is on fire. The the security force is mentally not doing in good shape, let alone physically. Yeah. That the ambassador had, and the ambassador is missing mm-hmm. somewhere in the in the place. And they they are able to find, unfortunately, the IT guy. Yeah. His name we should get Sean Smith. Sean Smith. We got to get name. He he was a real man, and he did die mm-hmm. there. Um, and totally innocent bystander. All things. Yeah. Too. He died of smoke and they get him out, but they are unable to find the ambassador. And they're like, "We, they're sending in another fucking wave. We got to get out of here. Yeah. Now they get out. They action like an amazing action scene. Chase sequence through the streets. Like Bay is like at the peak of his game, technically. And usually he's kind of incoherent. Like we talked about on Transformers. Nobody knew what the hell was going on in any of those battle scenes. We know the complete layout here. Mm-hmm. Like we got it down. 
we know where everybody needs to be, like when they're scouting the roofs to be on. And when they get back to the base, they're like, oh, and that that's the other thing we should note is like they straight up say like, oh, they're coming for our other compound. Right. Next. Yeah, 100%. They, they're on the way. Get, yeah. We have to get back there because they're coming and they have no protection over there. Mm-hmm. We, so we have to get back. They get back and basically the rest of the movie from the key point of the movie, James Badgedale covered in blood and suit comes soot comes in and like CIA man is like a little spooked by it. He goes, he's like, Oh no. He goes, Oh no. He goes, yeah, you're no longer in charge. You're yeah. in my world now. And you're yeah. like, oh, <laughs> yeah. That's like the trailer line basically right there. And what we get, I from, wear the lanyard now. I wear the lanyard now. <laughs> like just take cover you asshole. Cause you ain't going yeah. like you're, you're not part of the solution. Stay the fuck out of my way. Yeah. And the Roan character basically just takes over the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone is like, in spout like they've questioned him up until this point but now everyone's like bowing to like yeah his complete and utter capable badassery yeah oh they're all just like they love him he's the hero like they're like he's the one thing even the other even the other secret soldiers are like this guy is the best of us yeah like hero amongst heroes for the next hour and a half bay pummels you with this all-out assault yeah, nonstop like, all the big ones. Did you ever play Gears of War? Uh, no. Don, no, it's like horde. There's a thing called horde mode where you like basically like you and your friends you stay in a like a, a place and then like waves after waves yeah. of baddies come. It's very like like it's it feels non-stop. very video gamey in that regard. And by the t- and so it, it by the time the sun starts coming up and they have like no help at all. No, no outside help, of like no a br- uh, outside of we gotta mention. Um, Toby Stevens is Glenn Bub Doherty who buys his way into the country to join his dudes. Yeah, he can't. Like, he rules. Yeah, yeah, he can though. Like, it's like all war, so it's like hard to say. Like, you get yeah, this, they're evil. Like, he <laughs> like, rules thing, but you're like at the same time, like your lizard brain and gut and like all of that is like telling you, yeah, this guy's bad ass. It's he, lizard cinema. This I is know lizard cinema. And it's, it's easy to fall for. It's it's that's forgetting it. It's really yeah. easy to fall for. By the morning, though, it's like they are wounded, they're tired as hell, and they have to keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're just like, but you feel it with them. The endurance test of the movie becomes the endurance test of the characters, and you start to feel like, oh, God, are they going to, like, do they even have the energy to keep mm-hmm. this up? They're fighting so hard. And, like, I couldn't. And no. that's like what makes it impressive. You're like, I couldn't do this. It does take a special breed. So by the morning, there are mortar strikes. And unfortunately, both Bub and Roan are killed. Mm. in mortar. And it's like Bay does this shot where the, the photograph of Roan's family flies up in the air as he's blown up. And you're like, oh, that's gross. It's a little hat on a hat. It's a little, I, it's, it, that's always... He, can't, he has to go that extra level. He can't help it. Script and James Badgedale have done the work to get you to care about Roan. Yeah. It shows how little faith he has in his audience sometimes, I know. it feels like. Totally, it's like you don't have to like, do that. I, I'm on board. Yeah, I'm on totally it. on board. It's a big I, sacrifice. He dies, like, you know, defending all the, like, you don't have to, like, show that we, 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 haven't, we haven't forgotten that he has a family. Don't worry. <laughs> we get it. We totally get it. We totally get that this sucks and it's super sad and we liked him. Yeah. It's an audience. Mm-hmm. And it's a tragedy. We mm-hmm. don't need more. 
but Bay can't help himself. Then there's this scene. So we're down. Oh, and Max Martini's character, Oz, gets blown up but survives and is carrying around his torn off arm. Oh, yeah. It's gnarly. And Dave, who's one of the, um, who's played by um, Demetrius Gross, who's a oh, DSS yeah. agent, who is so shame, so upset that he did not do what he feels, even though he did fine. He didn't yeah. do his job in the attack and got the, got the ambassador, who we have found out did die. And they have mm-hmm. his body. Um, he, he has fought alongside the secret soldiers the entire way through. He's wounded, too. And he's in big trouble. There, our guys' backs are against the wall. More trucks arrive out front, and Pablo Schreiber gets his greatest scene in the movie because he's like, "We're dead. We are dead." Like, and you feel it as an audience. Yeah. Like one more assault, especially a real tactical one. They're done. Yeah. Is over. They have done everything they could. They did battle with an entire army with six guys, mm-hmm. and. Now they're down to four. What three really? Three functioning. Yeah. It's like Krasinski okay. and like Krasinski, yeah. Pablo Schreiber, and uh Roy. David yeah. Denham are the yeah. only guys. And they're all like, Yeah, we are dead. <laughs> and that you get that crazy moment, like, oh geez, that is holy shit. Mm-hmm. And then we find out they're friendlies. They give each other a hang loose sign. Yep. Um and we find out the rescue effort is on. But is it too late? Too little, too late. Mm. Their friends are dead. They are going to live with this the rest of their lives. Yeah, there's like a um, yeah, there's a great scene with them. Another a recurring part of the movie or a um recurring element of the film is they kind of uh, it's like they almost like adopt their translator or something like they kind of like their um their local yeah. guide kind of becomes part of the gang and, and he, like he thinks they rule so much he's willing to like hang with them to the bitter end oh yeah but then like there's a point where they're like um i god i do hate that part where they're like uh hey come with us and he's like no i just have to go home yeah and then and after like, that i mean well, then Pablo Schreiber is like, your country's fucked up, dude. I know, I know. Like, it's like he knows. It's like, it's like you t- one foot forward, two steps back, right? Yeah, exactly. No, it is one of those like, things. They're like, come on. If they had like the, just done I, the like, first part, I know, and just leave us with it. We're smart enough as an audience to realize that this was not good. Yeah, and this is still not good. Exactly. Like, like, all and also, is... like, don't phrase it as if it's Amal's fault. Like, that's and, like, like, it's like, yeah, it's a mess. He has to and clean. He, it's Bay's yeah. also working against his greatest skill: the pummeling effect of the attack sequence mm-hmm. has gotten us completely on board. Yes, you no, know, we we are aware of all of the trauma and violence and tragedy, and how scary it was, and the emotions that go with that completely. Yeah, and and the, the surreal nature. It. We yeah. have felt it because he did a great job of filming it. Yes. And making it look awful. Like Yeah. We don't need we don't need the extra help, dude. No, we get it. Ten out of ten, not fun. <laughs> Our guys go home. Not and just like shattered. Yeah. Right, but Krasinski's gets the you know, he has to call his family and say James Badgedale's character is not going home. Mm-hmm. 
and Krasinski gets a big cry scene. Yeah. Krasinski gets that part where he screams at the other uh the other guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's you know, he's going for it. It's just like it's it is difficult to separate. You're like I mean, you're bringing it up last night to some friends. They were like, yeah, it seems weird that Jim in the office is like playing this guy. But by the end, you're so invested in the movie. Yeah. And he does look great, like running with the gear and stuff like that. He got into great shape. He's, you know, he's a tall guy. guy. He looks great. Yeah, he fits the role, sort of. The man can grow a great beard. Like all (laughs) those things. Um, But by the end, you're and then the... So cut to the real life footage, the real life guys, the movie's dedicated to the two, um, Bub and Roan. Mm-hmm. Um, four people died. It seems like, regardless of where you stand politically, it's a shit show. Yeah, it was not great. Um, Bay does not really make, Bay's politics is that these guys rule and they were throwing a shitty, really shitty deal. That's yeah, kinda under the his bus. Thes- yeah, that's kind of his thesis mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, again, it's a com- you know, you're left with conflicts because it's like it's so well put together, mm-hmm. so visceral, it's well cast, well performed. You, you, the rooting interests are so clearly defined, mm-hmm. but then you think about the real world in the same way of pain and gain. You think about the real world and you're like, mm. yeah, and this is like another I talked about with. Black Hawk Down, even, which is a much classier movie. Yeah. But it kind of deals with similar queasy elements. And uh, there was a part of me that wished, like, oh, I wish you could make, like, a fictional movie here. But you can't. Yeah, I wish that. I feel you. Because it's like all the the pageantry is fascinating, all that stuff. And I will say, too, after watching this movie, it did make me want to watch Come and See. Yeah, so, <laughs> this is a movie I had never seen before, and I was like, I feel like I need to like, I need to like watch the opposite of this to kind of like, yeah, <laughs> even myself out. <laughs> yeah, war. What is it good for? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. nothing. Absolutely dang nothing. <laughs> absolutely dang nothing. Um, so they thought they had though kind of a, like we talked about the American Sniper, and um, in particular, I think Lone Survivor, mm-hmm. um, Red State Gold, cinematically on their oh, hands yeah. with this. And I still, honestly, maybe it was too fresh. I'm still kind of surprised that they didn't. <laughs> like, I can't believe that, like, I don't know why this one didn't succeed when Lone Survivor was a smash. Yeah, I don't know. Might have just been uh, the, might have not been the right time. Could have been uh, the moment had come and gone. I think, like, um, when was this released? Was this 2016 or 2017? Yeah, this was 2016, and we're heading into the 2016 election, and then yeah, might have just not been in vogue at this point. Yeah, so um, it was released that for some reason MLK Holiday Weekend became <laughs> Secondary Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it had a huge premiere at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium at AT and T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, on January 12th. Mm-hmm. That, like, it was a benefit, and it was all for it, the you know tons of like military pageantry and Bay and Krasinski and all of them mm-hmm. came out um, for it, um, and yet, and it was marketed specifically to conservatives. They did a screening for key Republican Party members. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and yet. Um, 
it made uh 69.4 million total wow even less than painting game yes even le- and, and and on a 50 million dollar budget so it's a flop wow and i don't think anybody can kind of necessarily um explain that due to especially because american sniper and lone lone survivor and even to an extent zero dark 30 were smash hits yeah that are kind of along the same lines and i don't know why either because it's a very similar movie yeah and that it could be it could be as simple as people have an expectation of a michael what a michael bay film is and they don't imagine this and maybe they didn't buy maybe they needed a bigger star than office jim yeah to play silva and jim or john krasinski um a lot of people not necessarily like thinking of him yeah as this kind of guy too and he's on the poster he's on the cover i mean he's 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 the lead of the movie yeah i don't know might be part of it i don't know either yeah maybe it's like because it plays a lot of the same notes as those other movies do you think it would have been a bigger movie if they had like a leonardo dicaprio or like like a real i think if you know, Mark Wahlberg. Or Damon. Yeah. You know, I mean, because Mark Wahlberg, Bradley Cooper. Ooh, yeah. Mark you know, Wahlberg. Yeah. They, but they were bigger, you know, bigger stars, at least in that moment, or at least like more. Def- um, um, Those were vers- like, they were more. They were more versatile stars. Yeah. And they, Krasinski that was, was for. He wasn't as, yeah. they were not as pigeonholed as Krasinski was in exactly. everyone thinking about Jim Halbert when they see him. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's very odd. Up until Ambulance, it was Bay's lowest grossing major release movie. Uh, wow. It does have a fifty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, one percentage higher than um, Pain and Gain. Wow. Thirteen hours of Secret Soldiers. Benghazi is a comparatively mature and restrained effort from Michael Bay, albeit one that can't quite boost the impact its fact based storytelling deserves. Hmm. Well, there you mm-hmm. go. Yep. Uh, generally, though, a lot of people, um, you know, the, the Roper liked it. There's a Seattle Times in it, uh, called it engrossing. Uh, you know, one uh, Inku Kang of the rap praised it for its action scenes, but panned his direction as myopic. Uh, yeah. She writes, 13 Hours is a rare Michael Bay movie that doesn't wasn't made with teenage boys in mind, but that doesn't make it any less callously juvenile. Some truth in that. Uh, not not entirely, but like I think yeah. there's like I think yeah, she she makes a point. Uh, the um, Libyan response was not strong. They did not. Oh wow! Really, the movie that portrays Uh, Libyans is like yeah, it's like I think Command and Conquer Generals, the move, the uh, video game where like the yeah, I think that does a better job of portraying that side of the world, yeah, culturally. Culture and Information Minister Omar Gawari criticized the film, saying the movie shows the U.S. contractors who actually failed to secure the ambassador as heroes, adding that Michael Bay turns America's failure to protect its own citizens in a fragile state into a, a typical action movie all about american heroism Mm -hmm. um the again much like pain and gain we don't necessarily have the time or the energy to really go into depth on the factual versus fictional 
elements to this movie. Michael Bay's clear focus, though, as the culture, uh, uh, cultural minister of Libya said, was to make a dude's rock movie about these six dudes. Yeah, he's he's valorizing the cool beard guys. Yeah. Those are the yeah. guys he likes. Yep. Get out of their way. Um that's depending on the viewer, could be incredibly queasy to you. We report, you decide. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, you know. And take a look at it. Both these movies are interesting. They're way more interesting than fucking Transformers. Give them that. So yeah, they're on Paramount Plus. Check them out. Uh, Michael Bay is in a weird zone though here, where his movies, <laughs> his movies outside of Transformers, are not succeeding particularly well at the box office. Mm-hmm. But everyone hates his Transformer. Everyone hates the Transformers movies virulently. So next week on the show, in our finale of the Volgaro tour, the further adventures of Michael Bay, we find out what happens in which the Transformers movies stop making money or the money that they once were making. And where does our hero go from there? Bay is in a bind. Bay is in a bind. Good call. Good thing. Next week's two movies. We will be taking a look at six underground I'm not looking forward to um, that. Which I have seen. Oh, no. <laughs> From 2019, starring Academy Academy favorite Ryan Reynolds. Um, that's on Netflix. That's Netflix movie. No disc. Nowhere else. So you yep. got to watch it there. Yep. Um, no disc anytime soon. Nowhere else anytime soon, yeah. probably. Once it's off Netflix, it'll be gone it from history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like Alexandria's library. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then we will also be taking a look at Michael Bay's most recent film, 2022's Ambulance, which is on Amazon Prime, can be rented, is on disc. It's out there. Um, and we'll be finishing up. Leading into the week after that, we return. After long last, to You Want It Darker, the David Fincher story in which we, boy, Patrick, we like it. We like keeping it controversial and on the edge in the Academy Academy and nary a movie more controversial even to this day than 1999's Fight Club, which we will be talking about in two weeks. Fight Club is mm-hmm. everywhere. You can rent mm-hmm. it. It's on disc. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited to get into it. I am, as, I am as well. I'm excited to only do one movie. <laughs> yeah, it'll make life a little easier. It'll make life a little bit easier. But uh, if you, I, you probably do have pressing and specific thoughts on Pain and Gain, and in particular, 13 Hours, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So check in with us at the Academy Academy podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at the, or X, where the fuck it's called now, at the Academy. We'd love to hear. Do you just? I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, it runs yeah. the uh, runs the gamut. Oh yeah, the, the, if you're a, a real Jack Office head, if you're anti I think Jack that, Office, yeah. I think that you could call us out for being a little too generous to Michael Bay, perhaps. I yeah, yeah, we're probably in the wrong. Hey, we're not getting paid for this. We're just two guys. Don't working, cancel work, me. Working through some feelings. Don't, don't uh, fucking cancel me, please. I want a life. I want to live. I'm not going to get canceled. Not for this. No. Not, not for, for this. this. 
Not for this. For this, anyway. That bank robbery, though, and the guy I have kid, the guy I kidnapped to sign over his. God, not again. I know. I'm doing it again. I'm out of money. I'm out of money. I bought too many Lambos, purple Lambos. Yeah, uh, too many uh, purple Lambos. Well, boy, we've talked about it enough. That was a good one, though. You know, those are two very fast, very fascinating movies. Much more fascinating than Transformers. Probably yeah. more fascinating than the Bad Boys films. Not not as dunderhead it is uh the island. It's at least he's <laughs> trying stuff. Like at least Michael Bay is like trying stuff. Like he's doing like the, the, it's different. You can it's understand like a, yeah. him. I think you can understand him more as a person through these than others. Yes. If if you're even interested in that. So for Patrick, I'm done. This has been the Academy Academy. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.